Hi, I'm Pete George, and we are live on Game Changers with Vicki Abelson. Our guest tonight is Larry Hankin. Woo! All right, Larry's been here for about six hours waiting for the show to start. You're talked out. You're... I'm talked out. I'm, I was a two-hour drive. Oh, I mean, it's God. just, it's, it's hell getting here. It's it, just hell getting here. Um, but I'm so glad I made it. I'm I, so glad. This I is great. Too. This is and, and it's almost like it's real. Almost. It's almost Not like, quite, but almost. It's almost like it's real. All right, so I have to, so I hate looking down when, when we're on the air, but I always have to make sure that actually this is happening and that we're actually, see, we, we are on the oh, air. Oh, there you go. And we're live. See, there we are. And we'll, we'll get it over here, and so then we can see who's on, and we can talk to people. Or and I can watch my movies here. <laughs> you can. This sit is and, cool. You, you can sit and watch. So I'll be watching your, uh, another <laughs> show. I got my shows to watch, and you know it's well, what, time. So we'll be watching my your, shows. You have your Wednesday shows. Yeah, my Wednesday. Do you shows. have shows that you watch? Nova. What? Come on, that's like a geography show, right? What's What's Nova? Nova is like a science show. Yeah, and that's what I thought. Sci-fi. Sci-fi. Do you like sci-fi? No. No, I don't either. But Nova, I like Nova, and I like um, what a, you know. Well, I like Barry. I like Barry. You know. I love Barry. You 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 were terrific on Barry. I was terrific on Barry. Is one of the reasons I like it. But also, <laughs> I, I like it because I like him. I like Bill Hader. He's really cool. Is he fun to work with? He's great. It, to okay, work so with. how so? What makes him special? Because he uh, he. Um, what makes him special? Well, he knows things that I've worked with a lot of directors mm -hmm. in my time, mm -hmm. and and the big the big deals, the great directors, John Huston, um, and uh, Larry David. Larry, the, the is, okay, is Larry David a good director? Yeah, the the good directors are really good directors because they don't direct. See, that's the whole point, and Bill Hader doesn't direct. Mm. Uh, I asked. John Houston about that. I was a nanny. So I asked John Houston about that. I said, you know, what's the deal with with directing? Or maybe I didn't ask him. He was kind of complaining. Somebody asked him and I was right there. Mm -hmm. He said that 80% of directing is in the casting. If you cast the right person, why are you going to direct him? You cast him because he's got great ideas, this actor. He comes up with great stuff. So if you're going to direct him, then he's going to drop all his greatness and he's going to do what you want. And so that. all the all the great big time directors, they don't direct. They, they may rehearse with you and, mm -hmm. you know, we'll, we'll talk about ideas. Mm -hmm. But once the camera shows up, um, uh, they don't, they don't direct. Have you had... And Bill Hader didn't direct. He didn't talk to me at all. I was, I mean, you get Is frightened. Is that unnerving? Like oh, Woody it's Allen. totally unnerving. Woody Allen too. He doesn't Woody tell Allen. Me, right? That's what I'm going to say. Yeah, Woody Allen. Uh, well, uh, there's many directors, and then the the okay directors, you know, mm -hmm. the ones that work all the time and blah blah. Yeah, they give you direction, and mm -hmm. you know, or or even, yeah, I, I, that, that's about it. Has anybody? Like thrown you off your game besides me by overdirecting? Yeah, you? and then I have an attitude problem. They go like, you know, listen. They say, you know, during the audition, you know, they'll mm -hmm. say, oh, oh, and then later on when they say, okay, and then they have you back mm -hmm. for this for you. You've been, hey, you got to recall, mm -hmm. go back. And there's a director, and he comes out to me while I was sitting outside in the waiting room, and he says, look, um, I loved what you did um, when when uh, you auditioned for me, but. Um, 
listen, for this, when we go into the room, the room <laughs> with all the people, the producers and the suits and stuff, um, just just bring it up, you know, just maybe, you don't have to go over the top, but just a little louder, a little more, a little more. And, and then when we shoot it, you know, then I'll bring it down again. So, okay? And I go, yeah. And then and they went back inside. Like, and of course you did man. it exactly the same I way. Did, right? I did, I did what I do, man. Don't give me this bullshit, you know. I didn't get the job. Yeah. Do you still have to audition? No, not anymore. Yeah, no. Well, I know. It's a, I, I don't know because I don't audition. Good. I just don't. Yeah. Unless yeah. I'll audition for Vince Gilligan anytime. Okay, so I want to talk about... Anytime. But he doesn't ask me to audition. He just, hey, Larry, Breaking are you Man, busy? He just brought you in. That's what he says. Hey, Larry, are you busy on the 18th or whenever? I go, no. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write you something. That's what he said. From the, from the first time you for, worked with him? No, no, no. The, okay. the first time the I first? just... The first time... Yeah. <sighs> what? It's, it's such a puzzle and a demeaning functionality of, of human existence, auditions. Mm -hmm. he, when, when I audition, here's a, a, a kind of a tell. Okay. If the, your agent calls you up and says, hey, get down to Water Brothers right away. They they want to see you right now. So just hop in the car and get over there. Yeah. Well, well, do I have any sides? Well, what's the count? They'll, take you, they'll tell you all that when you get there and they'll give you the sides. If you have that kind of instruction, I've had that kind of instruction many times, uh -huh. somebody just got fired. <laughs> and they need a replacement and I get insulted. Oh, why didn't you call me for the part? No, I'm a replacement. So I go in with like, you know, the chip on the big fucking chip on my shoulder. Well, okay, it's about time. So I went in. You get a lot of love in. with that. A lot, I guess there are a lot of actors watching you getting Yeah, love. yeah. So I, I, I go in for the audition and yeah. when I get there, just uh -huh. to prove that what I thought was right, is there's nobody there. I mean, no, no other actors. It's just an empty room, mm -hmm. and then there's just uh, one woman there. So, are you Larry, you you here for the audition? Yeah, this is for Breaking Bad, the, the original when I was right, you know, right. a couple of years ago, and the first time we auditioned. And she says, "Okay," um, and and then there's just a little stand and a camera, mm -hmm. uh, and and this assistant, this right. aide, right? You know, <laughs> this person. and I'm going, man. So she says, okay, you, you want to talk about it or anything like that? What? No. I, I mean, that's just what wait, I thought. you haven't had any sides or anything? No, no. They, gave, they, oh, they, they, gave they, they did okay. give me, for that, they okay. did send me the sides. But okay. it was uh, but it was only five lines. Okay. So it was really cool. You know, yeah. I just read it and I can, I can grok that. <laughs> so I uh, went in. She says, you want to talk about it or anything? I said, no, let's just... Try it, and then I figure. Well, if you want to talk about it, we'll talk about it. See what I got to do. You know, right. let me let me do it. So she, I go blah 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 blah. It's five lines, and then you know she's just reading from the book. She's not watching. And I'm thinking, well, okay, it's going in the camera. Who cares about her? All right, fine. But it's very disconcerting because yes. there's no relationship. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so I say my five lines. You know, blah blah blah, and she says, okay, um, do you want to do it again? Uh, no, she says okay, and then I said. You know, because he says, well, thank you. Mm -hmm. And I go, do you want me to do it again? And she says, do you want to do it again? And I say, should I do it again? And she says, well, if you want to do it again. And I say, do you think I need to do it again? And she says, no. And I say, thank you. I'd like to leave. Boom. And I left. Okay. Uh -huh. So 
the next day I get a call from my agent mm -hmm. and, and they say, and he says, you got, you got the part. I go, oh, wow, man, I'm going to be working on a show that I'm really a fan of. Right. That's really so great. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I got to tell you that I have ADHD, mm -hmm. pretty serious, uh, but I can deal with it. Mm -hmm. And I also have dyslexia. I'm a dyslexic. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I can, I can deal with it, but you have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. All right, so I go in and I go and they, they fly me down to New Mexico and they drive me for an hour out into the middle of the desert where this junk dealer thing is. <laughs> and I get in my costume, it's a big heavy thing. And I, do I have to wear this? Yes, you have to wear this. Okay, okay. I, I do that all the time. Do I have to wear this? Can I just wear this? Uh, okay, all right. I always go to the costume first. Okay, you, so you then you try and get away with your own clothes. Is that well? N no, but but generally, I I believe I'm overdressed. Okay, you know, or or can I wear that? And sometimes I let you. That's yeah. why I go there first. Mm -hmm. I, I go to the costume thing first, and I'll say, "Where's my costume?" And then they'll, you know, they let you over there because they're busy with somebody else. Right. You know, your costume is on that rack. Uh -huh. So I go and I look through it and I go. Well, can I wear this with this? Sometimes I go, yeah, that's a great idea. Or do I have to wear this? Can you get me something else? And they'll say, no, put that on. All right, fine. Okay. Go there, go go into my dressing room. The AD shows me into my dressing room. And generally, generally, mm -hmm. and, and in this case, they have your sides there already, even if they send it to you. you right. Know, just ready for you to go. Right. And I look, and there's not five lines there. There's... An entire speech, a full page <laughs> speech. And I go and I say to the idea, no, no, what what is this? And he goes, Well, um, Vince really liked your audition piece so much that he had a, a speech written for you. This? <laughs> and he go, I go, Yeah. And then he's like, Yeah. And I go, no, no, I, I have, I'm a dyslexic. I have to get, no, see, they have to send the uh, script to me like days ahead so I can memorize right. it because I have ADHD and dyslexia. I can't memorize it. How much time do I have? And he goes, uh, two hours. No, no, that's not enough time. That's the, and he's getting freaked out. He doesn't want to be there. Yeah. He's going, well, look, he I have dead? to get back to the set. So he, he splits and leaves me there. <laughs> And so I'm going, oh, no, man, no, this is my favorite show. I'm, I really get upset. Mm -hmm. I'm easily, I mean, I, I, when I'm normal, I'm very calm. Yeah. But just a little wave and I'm, I'm off, I'm gone. I'm, no, this is my favorite show and I can't remember. So I tried. I really did. I tried and I, da-da-da. And I've had this problem before. So. And so I said, yeah, yeah, yeah so I, I call, I Go on, I run, run after him uh, after I tried. And I thought, where's the AD? Where's the AD? Oh, yeah. And I go, I said, look, um, I got to talk to Vince. I mean, I, I got to talk to Vince. And he says, Did you know Vince? No. No. But, but yeah. Vince, yeah. you know, he said, Vince had this made for you, you yeah. know, and, and Vince saw my audition. Yeah. Uh, so um, I said, you know, where's Vince? And he goes, Vince is in here. Okay, all right. Um, okay, never mind. Uh, and I go back and I just try to memorize it. Yeah, give it a shot. Mm -hmm. But it's not happening. It's, I think I remember, I kind of got the gist of it once. <laughs> you know, okay. Yeah. And then it got a knock on the door. Okay, you're up. Okay. So now I figured, see, I figured it out because movies is magic. 
what they can do is they can cut it up. You can do it in sections. Mm -hmm. So I thought, cool, man, because I think I could get, you know, if they divided it up into, say, like, four sections, right. I could get, you know, a paragraph each. Uh -huh. I could pull it off. Uh -huh. So I get out to say, so I go, go to the director, and he goes, it wasn't Vince, it was the director. So I said, well, well and I, as I'm walking up to him, I said, oh, this, is, this is great. He says, you ready, Larry? And I go, yeah, so listen, um, we're going to break this up, right? And he goes, no, we're going to have a walk and talk. You're just going to get way down there and just keep talking and walk towards the camera. Just we'll do it in one. It'll be easy. Okay. And so then I started thinking about, you know, just um, the inevitable. I'm going to be fired. And so I was getting ready for that. I'm, so I'm getting ready for that. I'm starting to school myself. But calm down, calm down, Larry. You know, just, you're going to be fired. So take it, you know, it's just another job. Mm -hmm. So he goes, you, you ready? And I go, yeah. He says, okay, get down there. It's, you know, it's in, a, it's a, in the middle of the desert and right. there's junk piled up. And this mm -hmm. is, so, okay. And he says, uh, you ready? Oh, yeah, okay, ready. And rolling and action, Larry. So I started to walk and talk, you know. So I get the first line out because I remember the first line. <laughs> I'm not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so I get the first line out uh -huh. and then I just kind of improvised. You know, I'm thinking all kinds of, You've and it's got a great legal. background for that. Uh, no, but but it was legalese. It was all the oh. legal reason why the cop couldn't get into the Winnebago oh. where they were hiding, oh. where Aaron and Brian were hiding. Mm -hmm. So it was all the legal reasons why this was my property, and that was you know. So I'm just spewing legalities <laughs> and bop, 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 bop. and I thought, and at the end of this, I will be fired when I got down to about this far from the camera. And you're totally making shit up. You, and I'm told, well, I'm trying to do the lines, but... You, you the, kind of have uh, the lines, kind of? It, kind of, but it, I'm not thinking of that. I'm just trying to get legal stuff. <laughs> that, that's yeah. that's what's reduced to, okay. like improv. Like it's right. an improv. Yeah. Just keep it legal. Yeah. That's all. So I get down there, and he just goes, okay, let's, uh, let's, uh, good, uh, cut. Okay, uh, let's try it again. Okay, Larry, get back down there. He doesn't say anything about anything I just did. He just said, yeah, well, well, let's do it again. And I'm thinking, did I just memorize that whole thing? That's what I'm thinking. Wow, that's amazing. So now yeah. that I got, and he's okay with it, yeah. now I can relax. Now I can either, you know, try to do it again, but right. now if I have to go off book, <laughs> I can, you know, improvise because he's yeah. got it. It's yeah. in the can. Right. So the cheapest thing we've got, Larry, is film. That was a famous thing somebody said to me once. <laughs> so that's what I'm thinking. Okay. So I go, okay, down there. And then I see, as I get back down there, I go, you ready, Larry? Yeah. And then I see the script girl walking towards me. Now, if you know anything about making movies, the script girl is the, is the woman who is in charge of having you say what's written. That's right. And she makes circles around a you know, the words that you missed. Mm -hmm. So I see her walking towards me with the book open and her pencil poised. And I think, uh-oh, this is not going to go well. Because she's going to, if she's coming towards me, I didn't say the right words. So as she's coming up, I go, all right, what did I say wrong? And she just shows me the book. Every other word is circled. Oh, my God. So I look at it and I go, and she says, um, you, you all these words you, you you've got to say it the way it's written 
And I said, well, I got the gist of it. And she says, the director wants you to say it as written. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm fired. I'm going to be fired. It's, it's and you fine. never said to the, the director, I never saw this before today. I you, never you said never anything. Said I was just, I either I could do it right. and let's go do it, or okay. I can't do it and I'm going to be fired. Okay. Because I, you know, I've been yeah. where people get fired. I've yeah. been on sets where people were fired. It's really simple. Yeah. <laughs> And then the guy leaves, and then some new guy comes in the next day, and you go on. It's yeah. very simple. Yeah. So I, th no, I never mentioned anything, and, and she said, well, he wants you to say it as written. And I said, okay, let me talk to the writer. And she says, the director wrote this. And I go, okay. And then he goes, you, everything okay, Larry? And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Said, you need any help? No, 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 it's okay. I just refused to admit it. I just, it was, no, I'm going to get fired, but I'm not going to discuss it. I, there's, it's one or the other. So he starts walking towards me with the book. So the two of them, so then he goes like this. Words. And I'm just waiting there. I'm just sitting there. I'm very calm. I'm just like, cool. I'm, you know, I'm fired, but they're going to go through this thing, this little dance. So he comes next to me and then the cameraman says, yells to him, he says, don't, hey, Cy, don't you want to stand by the camera? And he goes, no, I'm going to stand and walk with my actor. No, don't do that. You're going to walk alongside of me with the open book like I'm a child? No. And, and he says, you, you okay? And I go, no, it's fine. It's fine. Whatever you want to do. Okay, you ready? Yeah, action. And I just started again, like, you know, I'm, and I'm improvising, I'm walking. And he's got the book, and out of the, just out of the corner of my eye, because he said, you know, where am I out of the frame? Where am I, you know, about right, this right. far? So you know, he's walking, so I'm looking, and, you know, I'm walking and talking and talking and talking. He's just, and he goes down, and okay, cut, moving on. Thank you very much, Larry. And he, boom. What? And I go, what? So I could not, and and that was my last shot. I had done a shot before okay. in the morning, right? Which you know was the five lines. Right. That was the five lines. Right. So and then he said, "You know, you're dismissed." Like, you know, Larry Hankin, everybody's dismissed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they clap right. and go. So I couldn't figure it out, and I said, "I've got to wait now until this shows <laughs> to see what the hell I did." <laughs> I, you know, I'm thinking, "Am I a genius?" Then I just pull this off. This is amazing. Okay, so now I watch it and I tell my friends to watch it. D just, you know, to yeah. check, you know. To see. Uh -huh. So I, I watch it and here's what happened. How much later is it from when you shot it? It's about a, a, a minimum of a two months. Okay. So two months later, it comes on. Oh man, this is my show. I got to figure out what the hell. So here's what happens. Here's, and if you watch it, if you watch it, Here's what you're gonna see. I'm going on YouTube is, as soon as we're okay. done. Okay, <laughs> uh, the scene, but you gotta watch the right. scene. Okay, right. so the scene is, I start, I say I say my first line. You see me long, way away, right. and then they come kind of a closer, and I start with my first line. Blah, 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 and then they cut to the cop listening to me, and then they cut inside, and they're going, inside the Winnebago to Aaron and him, and then they cut back to the cop, and I'm talking over it. And I'm talking, you know, it's voiceover. Are we hearing over. what you're saying? And yeah, yeah, I'm saying blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm saying this legal, legal. stuff. I'm saying legal, legal improvisation stuff. 
I'm saying that, but you can't see me because it's a voiceover. And then they cut to me because I said a correct line. <laughs> and then they cut inside, blah, 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 correct line, blah, 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 cop, him, Winnebago, cop, cop, right, good line, good line, boom, boom, boom. End of speech, cut away. I was, if you watch and you have a stop, I am on camera 10 seconds or maybe 15 seconds. And all the rest, what he did, and he knew this from the beginning when he saw I wasn't memorizing, he said, I will just cut together what I need to convince this cop he can't go in there. Another, so I was improvising legal stuff that they pasted together so that the voiceover came, so you didn't see the, the cuts, you know, right. so it was voiceover. And it worked perfectly well, and then my friends, the name of my friend's production company is Movies is Magic. And that's what movies is. You can't be bad if you're being filmed. They can cut away the B-roll. You're cool, because they're gonna throw away your bad shit, okay? And that's what they did. I love so it. It's, yeah, but the, the crap that I put myself through on that day of shooting. Has so, that happened to you? Uh, has that happened to you before or since that you've shown up and the sides are completely different and you have to deal? No, I mean, one just once or twice because way early in my stage, because I've had this since a child, so I mean, I understand right. my forgetfulness and the ability to because then I have to break it up. Mm -hmm. So, um, if he had given you that two days before, three days before, okay, three days before you could have memorized it. Yeah. Okay. But so, you need three days. I, but I need to mm -hmm. sit down and focus, and right. I, I, because the the dyslexia and the ADHD has to do with my ability to focus mm -hmm. very hard. Right. Right. I, I get distracted. My mind is always running. Mm -hmm. So it just go up there. So one time I, yeah, in the beginning when I started to ha see my, my roles were getting bigger and bigger, mm -hmm. I instructed my agent to make the demand, if, if they wanted to use me, that they had to send me the script when it was ready immediately. Mm -hmm. and I, that I would always get it at least first several days before the shoot. And they always did. You know, it was just, oh, okay, here's another weird actor who needs something else. Mm -hmm. You know. So they would do it. And so I never had any problems. It's interesting, and, though, because you always hear, though, about rewrites happening. Yeah. Especially um, in TV. I, and, and I started, once they did that, because mm -hmm. that, that happened, and I had to make the adjustment, or, you know, I'd stay up late later than I ordinarily would, just trying to get the new information and the new stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, sometimes I would go up on my... Well, I did it with Brian Cranston, as a matter of fact, mm -hmm. um, where um, it, it, wasn't in, it wasn't in that shoot. It was in the second time I did it. Mm -hmm. I don't know which show, because I did two shows and then the movie. Uh, right. So... Uh -huh. So, okay, all right, fine. Blah, 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 blah. Go up again on my lines. Okay, cut. All right, do it again. I go up on my lines again. Now I'm getting like a little nervous. Oh my God, I should have studied better. Oh, my <laughs> dyslexia. Oh, my ADHD. And Brian says, 
Hey, Larry, why don't you remember your, remember your lines? Now, when the star of a show talks to you in that way, I mean, he wasn't angry. Right. But he, he was kind of miffed because he, mainly stars like to get on with it. Right, right. You know, we'll do it once, do it twice, and let's, you know. Right. So, okay, and I do it again, and I go up again. And he said, hey, Larry. And he, now he's angry. Now he's angry, but not very angry, but he's angry in a passive-aggressive way. Is now he's not giving his lines to me. He's looking over there, and I'm over here, Ooh. and talking to me. Ooh. I know, this is bad, man. So I go, all right, can I just stop for a second? So I said, all right. Everybody stops, and I walk over to the director, who was over there, mm -hmm. and I go, can I just talk to you for a second? Yeah, what do you want? Um, I, I've gone up a couple of times, yeah, and uh, Brian is getting really angry, and um, you know, so I don't, I don't know what to, to, to do, man. He goes, uh, well, one, he's talking to me like a man to man. Yeah. One, Larry, actors go up all the time. Two, fuck Brian, just get back in the fucking scene, we're losing the light. What the hell is going on here? Oh, okay. <laughs> I go back and I remembered my lines. Boom, 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 boom. But Brian didn't talk to me all the way back, the hour in the, in the, in the, in the desert, all the way back to uh, the production office. Mm -hmm. And generally, we, you know, we talk on the way back, you know. But no, so I thought he was kind of angry at me. And, I, and that was the last time I saw him. Mm -hmm. I just got out of the car. And we, he didn't say one word the entire hour and I, mm. I was getting you know oh yeah exactly I yeah, was really because this was a big deal to me absolutely okay years go by uh -huh. like last year I think I, I went to an opening of some movie mm -hmm. a lot of stars are there mm -hmm. and who's there Brian Cranston and uh, for a second uh, so I'm standing up to him oh, <laughs> you know oh god but he was standing there all alone and he looks over and he sees me and he goes, hey, Larry, come here. Oh, why? Okay, I'll go over there. And then he just gives me this big, biggest bear hug. I, great. Hey, Larry, well, you know what? Like, and I'm going, he wasn't angry at me at all. It was just it was in your fucking, head. totally in my head. Or maybe he was, but I bet you he forgot yeah, about right, it. Because I mean, had, what the hell, man? What, actors work, right? go... Up all the time, he probably didn't even remember. And, so I mean, I just yeah. torture myself. Is, is the outcome. And I think we all. I think I don't want to speak for everybody. I torture myself. I think most people torture themselves. It's what we do. Um, but it's interesting to see how something becomes so big and important to us. Well, in the middle of a job, I don't care if you know. If I'm talking to you, and you get mad at me for something I said. Okay, it's between me and you. Oh, I hope Vicky likes me, but. But in the middle of a job where you're... I mean, and I did it with Vince Gilligan, too. But the same thing when I did the movie. Yeah. I'm supposed to walk around the car and talk about bullshit while I'm examining the car to see if there's a if it's, if it's got a, a alarm on it, a police alarm. Okay. It. So I'm examining I'm walking around the mm -hmm. car. And again, it was a long speech because I just have to walk and talk around the car. It's a walk and talk. Right. So I said to him, well, we're going to do it and divide it up, right? This is years later, right? <laughs> but this is, this is the part where he called me okay. and said, hey, Larry, 
I wrote something for you. I, no, he didn't oh. say that. He said, are you available? Da-da-da-da-da. Oh. And I said, yeah. <laughs> and he said, okay, because then I'm going to write something for you. But if you're not available, I'm not going to write it. Mm -hmm. So you, you better, you know, you, you mm -hmm. so I said, no, 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 I'm available. He mm -hmm. says, okay, not right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so I, that was all he said. And then mm -hmm. I get this thing mm -hmm. and it's a, it's a speech about going around and around. Mm -hmm. So I get there, you know, and I, I memorize it and everything, blah, blah, blah. And then I get there and then I walk around and now this is a big, this is even more uh, production wise. He's got like five, <laughs> one, two, Minimum of three cameras, but I think maybe it's four or five. Uh -huh. There's a lot of. I mean, it's a big production. Well, right. he's got it's. He's got a big, huge budget. Right. It's a movie. Right. So crew and everything much bigger than the walk and talk thing. Right. Okay. So he says, "Okay, Larry." So I so I go up to him again. I say, "Well, can we just divide this up?" No, no, we're going to just walk and talk. <laughs> okay. So walk and talk. So I'm you know getting ready. And all, there's, there's five other guys in the scene. You know, they're waiting, the gang and, and, and Aaron are waiting while I examine the car. <laughs> so I go, okay. So I start to walk and talk around the thing and Vince goes, uh, this is the only time, because Vince is a great director. Mm -hmm. It's the only time he would give me any direction. He just said, you know, do it faster. Uh -huh. That's kind of, that's cool. Yeah. Do it faster. Yeah. Okay. So I'm doing it faster, but I didn't rehearse it that way, so I'm going up on my lines. You know. All right, do it again. I go up on my lines again. I go up on my, and then, and then he goes, okay. Um, and then one of the cameras said, no, wait a minute. I got to fix the camera. So he says, okay, Larry, just you know, take a break. So he fixed the camera. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm brushing my lines up on the side there. <laughs> okay. So then I do it again, and one of the cameramen gives me a direction. Like, when you pass this spot here, could you, like, look up? And I go to Vincent, I said, what are all these cameras for? And he goes, well, they're all for you. What do you mean? Yeah, they're all photographing you. I go, oh, no, that's really important. That's, that's like making me more important than I thought this was. I thought I was just, you know, you're on, on the other. In other words, what he's saying is, no, we don't have a B-roll. We're not going to cut away from you. This is just you, and we're just going to pick the best shots of you. Right. So that kind of worried me. But then what he said, so I, I did it again. Mm -hmm. You know, this time I had my head up. I kind of, you know, like, blah, blah, blah. and then he says, okay, Larry, take a break. Everybody take 10-minute break. And then he calls all the cameramen into this, uh, into the TV village. They disappeared. So I'm just left there alone. Mm -hmm. So I rehearsed, mm -hmm. and I just kept rehearsing around and around, waiting for them to get up. And when I finally had it down, really pat, Vince said, okay, let's, let's yes. shoot this. Oh. And I did it great, and I did it the first time after, after that. And he goes, okay, fine, bring, let's, you know, moving on. Mm -hmm. The thing about Vince was he wasn't getting what he needed and what he wanted. Mm -hmm. So what he did was, yes. he just broke and said, let's stop filming. And I, the only thing I can, is he said, let's give Larry some room to just walk around a little, get used to the walking around the car and with this thing and da da da. And that's the only thing I can, I can think of. 
Uh, and maybe he gave a couple of uh, the cinematographers, you know, come close in when he's over here and go back when he's right. over there. Uh, so that was the only other time where I went up on my lines enough where it affected the shooting of the scene. Right. But one director, Vince Gilligan, understood the problem immediately and wanted it verbatim. Right. And so he didn't say anything to me. He didn't give me any. He just said, let's take a break, 10 minutes. And he, and so I, a couple of, about a year later, no, 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 this was last, well, it was, then, yeah, on the opening night of the movie, mm -hmm. I went to Vince and I said, listen, and I asked him about that. I said, when you broke down, when I was walking around a car, uh, car and you said, all right, let's take a 10 minute break. Do you remember that? He goes, yeah. I said, why did you do that? Did you do that so that I could practice, you know? Work? Mm -hmm. And all he said was, well, I wanted everybody to just, uh, you know, get everything right. So I figured it was the best use of my time to, uh, you know, talk to the uh, cinematographers and let you walk around. So he, he evaded a direct answer of, yeah, you were fucking up, so uh, I just said, let's quit and let, leave him alone. Whereas the other director thought, well, I'll fix it in post. But again, making movies, you can't be bad. You can fix it. You can fix it in post. Oh, we'll fix they, it in post. Oh, but they don't always fix it because there are some Well, because that they're is. not good directors or they don't have enough money or... In, in, in those cases, they were great directors who understood the medium. Mm -hmm. It's a very m malleable plastic medium. Movies is magic. Mm -hmm. And you can fix it in post. If you understand going in that, oh, leave Larry alone or we'll fix it in post because he said enough good things that we can, but nobody was, I wasn't fired and nobody got weirded out except maybe for two seconds Brian did, but he... Have you ever seen out. somebody get fired in front of you on a set because they didn't know their lines or something like that? Have you seen somebody get fired? You said it happens all the time. Uh, yeah, on, on Escape from Alcatraz, mm -hmm. um, I was hired in, in, a, in a, a spot where, some, where the guard was fired. I didn't know this until I got on the set mm -hmm. or when I even when I auditioned because I, I got this somebody was fired you know Larry get down there at mm -hmm. Warner Brothers because it's uh, Clint Eastwood's next big movie Escape from Alcatraz and they need you down there right away mm -hmm. and I said okay somebody's got fired mm -hmm. and and it was it was true because mm -hmm. when I got there they said, you know, there's no sides or there's no sides uh, they'll no. give you everything down there we don't know what part it is mm -hmm. just get down there mm -hmm. so I immediately jumped in the car and when I got there and I got in the room with Don Siegel, the director mm -hmm. and this big agent. She said, uh, the casting agent, mm -hmm. he said, uh, <laughs> I get there, there's nobody there again. And I said to the secretary, I said, well, is there any sides, any kind of information about what I'm supposed to be? Mm -hmm. And she says, you don't have the sides, no. And you don't know what part you're up for? She said, no. I said, do you have any sides? She said, no, but I got the script. And she gives me the script. <laughs> So it's, you know, 80 you pages, 90 pages, whatever. I'm not going to read I? this. I'm going to, yeah, who am I? So I just gave it back to her. Yeah. And uh, no, no, I, I held it huh. in, in my lap. And I went, huh. but as soon as I sat down, this woman peeks out of the door and says, Are you ready? And I said, Yeah. Because <laughs> I figured I'm going to get fired or I'm not going to get the job because 
there's nothing I can study. <laughs> it's ridiculous, you know, and yeah. it's a big movie. So yeah. There's a lot of money involved, mm -hmm. and they don't like to fool around. Mm -hmm. So the, so I go in, and Don Siegel, who's just a very nice elderly gentleman. Oh, he's so great. Mm -hmm. He just said, uh, okay, so uh, Larry, and there's just three seats. He's, mm -hmm. I'm sitting as close to him as you, and there's another chair there. That's mm -hmm. the director, the casting director, and me. Okay. And he goes, uh, okay, so what part are you here for? And I go, I don't know. And she says, he's here for either Charlie Butts or the guard. And he goes, hmm. Um, well, uh, and he turns to me and he goes, uh, well, Larry, um, see the guard. And then he's kind of talking, about, well, the guard kind of, the guard, the guard beats up uh, uh, Clint in that scene there. I don't think you can beat up Clint, can you? <laughs> go like that. Can you? I don't think you can beat him up, can you? And I go, I don't think so. And he goes, yeah, no, no. What about, and then he goes, well, what about Charlie Butts? I go, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. And he goes, and just as he's about to say something, she butts in, and she says very adamantly, she says, Charlie Butts is, uh, because it's a real story, Charlie Butts is... Um, I love that movie, by he's, the way. Yeah. Phenomenal. He's red-haired, he's short, <laughs> fat, and he wears glasses. And he goes to her, yeah, but the audience doesn't have the screenplay. Can you, you want to do... And then he turns to me immediately and he goes, you want to do Charlie? And I go, yeah. He says, okay, you got it. And I go, are you serious? He says, well, you want to read it? I go, yeah. He says, oh, I'll read it with you. So he takes my script... Mm -hmm. I think he had another one. She so says, all right, turn to page 79. I go to 79, whatever the page mm -hmm. was. He opens it up. He says, all right, uh, all right, I'll play blah, 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 and you play Charlie. Uh, you want one? You want time? No, no, I'll just read it. Okay, blah, 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 blah. Okay, good. All right, you got the part. And I just sat there, nonplussed, because they never tell you that, ever. They will not tell you that. So I just sat there, and I go, okay. And he goes, you don't believe me, do you? And I go, no. And he goes, all right, tell you what. Go home, sit by the phone, see what happens. <laughs> so I said, okay, is that it? He goes, that's it. <laughs> and I walked out. I, sat, I got home, I sat by the phone. About a half hour later, ring, you got the part. Boom. Go, go figure. What a great you know? story. They're all great stories, but not while you're doing right, it, not I, while you're there. The worst turns to laughter, you know. Good old Shakespeare. So, yeah. so uh, let's. So, I, I told you beforehand that I wanted. Oh, first, tell, you said you had a story. I should ask you about somebody trying to kill you. Oh, that. Well, that has nothing to do with show business. I know, but let's but let's have that story because I'm going to forget. I remember now. Wow. So, so okay, cool. I, I, I mean, it has nothing to do with show business, but I was in Greenwich Village. I was doing open mic nights. So this is when so I it's, first it's started. It's show business. Well, yes, it's I was first starting. I, I just graduated college. I was gone and my roommate was Carl Gottlieb, who wrote Jaws. Wait, where did you go to college? Syracuse University. I graduated as an industrial designer. I never used it. I got out of five-year course. I got out with... Carl Gottlieb was in the writer's uh, thing. He wanted to be a writer always. We were we were friends, best friends in college. Mm -hmm. 
So we got out. He he said, "I'm going to Greenwich Village. Why don't we be roommates?" Wait, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Far Rockaway, Long Island. You were telling the truth when you said that. Yeah. You like the Ramones? Yeah, right. Okay. Short, sweet, you know, okay. boom, <laughs> in your face. So uh, I was. Uh, so we were in Greenwich Village. Mm -hmm. Me and Carl. We were, uh, five five floor walk up, and I he was writing. He was reviewing movies all the time, mm -hmm. and I was starving. I was cleaning duckboards. Uh, in, in a bar after 2 a.m. What's a duckboard? Oh, the, 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 the flat the, things behind the bar right, so the right. water goes through onto the floor. Okay. So they're not walking or sloshing around in it. The, the, the liquor falls Right, through. right. So I would come in at, uh, well, 2, at 1.30, mm -hmm. you know, and hang around. And then they would lock me in and I would sweep up until 6 in the morning when the oh, chef would my. come in. They would lock me from the outside. So what I would do is I would wear a raincoat every day because I was starving. We were in Greenwich Village. Uh, so what I would do is, and they never locked the uh, walk-in freezer or, or the storage, uh, the food storage bin, mm -hmm. where they would have the canned foods and the dry goods. So I would always go into the uh, uh, walk-in uh, refrigerator, mm -hmm. and I would steal a, a side of bacon, and I would put it in my back thing and put on my raincoat and wait by the door. For the, for the chef to come in at six in the morning, you would open it up. I would just slide out. Oh hi, how you doing? <laughs> Didn't want to, you know, no yeah. no talk. I got to get out of here. And after two weeks, I quit because I figured they're gonna no, start the counting. Gone. They're gonna start counting. So two weeks, and then I would get another job, you know, duckboard somewhere else. Anyway, and I was doing the the, the the Monday nights. Okay, and I Carl then went into the army, so I had to get another roommate and another place. So I got an old friend from Syracuse, uh, older than me. Mm -hmm. He was an ex-Marine. Uh, and uh, so we were roommates. And one day we were in a bar. And, and he's an angry guy, mm -hmm. really an angry guy, mm -hmm. PTSD. Mm -hmm. And we were friends, great friends in Syracuse. And okay, roommates. We're in a bar and he starts a fight with this guy guy man and uh, so the bartender says uh, all right take it outside so they, they didn't really get into it so my friend uh, starts to walk out first and I thought that was really weird he turned his back on the guy mm -hmm. the guy's behind him and he said okay and he immediately walked out first and the guy said okay yeah sure and he the guy was following him and I said that's a dangerous thing to, to do. These guys are really angry. Mm -hmm. So as he walked out, out the door, he grabbed, my friend grabbed, you know, immediately turned around and grabbed something, I guess he saw, and he swung and kicked this guy back. You know, just right in the chest. Wham! And I go, what the fuck, man? That's crazy. Now it's going to get really bad. So the guy goes flying back, and then we just took off, you know, running. Mm -hmm. It ran about two blocks, nobody was following us, so... Then, and I'm thinking, what the fuck did you do, man? And he's still, he's still angry, he's still angry. Mm -hmm. So, and, and he immediately says, he started going up to the, to the apartment. Mm -hmm. He wasn't talking or anything, he's running upstairs. What's the big hurry, man? We got to know he's chasing us. Mm -hmm. Gets in. He immediately goes into the kitchen and takes out a, a big carving knife, you know. And I go, what? And he heads out the door and I go, where are you going? And he just didn't stop. He says, I'm going back to the fucking bar and I'm going to stab the guy. And he's gone. And I didn't chase him. So I got on the phone 
And I, thank God I remembered the name of the bar and I got the phone number and I called and I said, look, um, you know that guy who started the fight before about a half hour ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's coming back, he's got a knife. I mean, he's really angry. I get that guy out of there because he's, I don't, he's gonna stab him or something. He, it's, he's really dangerous. And I was kind of, so the guy said, okay, thanks, thanks for the heads up. About an hour later, Maybe a half hour later. In comes my, my roommate. He's got the knife. And he just comes right up to me. Grabs him like this. And he's shoving me. And he's shoving me. He's got the knife. He says, you fuck, you fuck, you fuck. And he pushes me into the bathroom. And then he pushes me into the bathtub. And I go, oh, fuck. <laughs> this is serious. Blood. He's, this is to catch the blood. Oh, this is to catch the blood. He's a Marine. He knows yeah, this yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. So, an ex-Marine. He's a Marine. So he goes like this and he goes, you fucking ratted out on me. I go, no, no, you don't understand. He says, what don't I fucking understand? I was going to kill him and I want to kill somebody. It's going to be you, Hank. And, and I go, no, no, you don't want to do this. I didn't, I mean, when your life is threatened, you don't know what you're going to say. You can't rehearse that shit. And I thought... Don't talk about me, like don't kill me. Mm -hmm. Let's put it on him. That I mean, that logic came from somewhere in my DNA. I had mm -hmm. nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. And I, I said, you know, you don't want to do this. They're gonna bust you. They may they're gonna find you. They're gonna it's all about you. <laughs> Whatever. And he, he calmed down. He, I got him to calm down and let me out of the bathtub. That was the key. Mm -hmm. If I can just get out of the bathtub. I mean, he had me up against the shower thing. I remember. I'll never oh forget it. Oh, my God. And he, and he finally, he put it away. But I, that, that was the end of the relationship. Yeah, I, I was brought. telling you when you first got here, your life, to me, is as interesting as your career, if not more so. And, and, I, and, I and that wasn't the only time. I'm not going to tell you another one. But there's two more times where I had a gun to my head and then a knife to my throat. I mean, you just, I mean, I don't know where this comes from. I just don't know where that comes from. The company you keep? The company I keep. Okay, I'll tell you real fast. Okay, real yeah, fast. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Go. so I'm now I'm in the committee. Yeah. I'm in the committee. Which and, we have to talk about. Okay, so we're in the so committee, you, yeah. and, and, and I have a friend, Gino. And Gino, he... That's an improv troupe, for those of you who don't know. Yeah, it's, a, it's like Second City. Mm -hmm. In San Francisco. So Gino likes to take me to places. He's, a, he's kind of a well-to-do Italian guy, always well-dressed, mm -hmm. uh, really old school, but, but young. Uh, at this time, I was maybe 25, and he was 40. Okay. Always like, hey, Larry, I'm having dinner with these people. You know, come along. Mm -hmm. So one day, he says, hey, Larry, I want to I introduce you to a friend of mine. You know, we're going to go over his house. So mm -hmm. I walk over his house, walk in the door, and he says, you know, Richard, uh, I want you to meet my, my friend here, Larry Hankin. You know, you, you, you're really going to like him. You, this is Richard. Richard immediately goes, what the fuck? And he pulls out a forty-five, and he puts it to my head, and he says, you fuck, Gino. You brought a cop in here. And I suddenly realized, what's going on? And he said, don't give me that fucking shit to me. Mm -hmm. And he says, Gino, and, and then Gino says to me, well, he, he sells drugs, that's what's going on here. 
and he goes, no, he's not a cop. He's not a cop. I, I swear by it, man. And he says, no, I have a photographic memory. I have seen this guy. This guy's a fucking cop. Gino, why did you do that? Why did you do that? And he, he was just, and, and Gino says, wait, 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 stop. Have you ever seen the committee? And he goes, and he goes like this. He goes, have you ever seen the committee? Holy fuck, this guy's funny. Hey, George, this guy's in the committee, man. Wow, fuck, man, you are so fucking funny, man. Come on in, man, what do you want? I'm sorry, Gina, I'm sorry. Hey, I apologize, I apologize. Wow. Whoa, man. Wow. I, got, I got a photographic memory I recognize. <laughs> Holy fuck. Oh my God. All right. So before we start getting into things, Pete, who are we saying hello to today? Let's say hello to somebody. Oh okay, yeah. Because I feel like we've been. Uh... Nikki Luongo. Hi, Nikki. Hi, Steve. Who else? We're t Hi, Michael. Phil. Hey, hey, Trish. Um, oh my God, a speech. I, I, I see some of the stuff they're saying. Does anybody have questions yet? Or are they just commenting oh, on what's oh, been going question. on? Sure. Nikki Hi, Christina. Wants to know who's been your favorite uh, co star? Well, say that again. Who's been your Hi, favorite co star? Aaron Paul. Oh. There you go. Easy. From from the show or from the movie? From both. Yeah. But from the show, no. We, I mean, we would like to do a movie together. That would be really cool. I'm trying to think of one to make, yeah. you know. But I don't know. Would you ever write a book about your Hollywood experiences? Ooh. I, I am. I'm doing that right now. Who am I talking to? Am to I Nikki. talking to this? You're talking to Nikki. Oh, Nikki, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm doing that right now. I'm in the midst of it. Here, I'll even show you. Can you, his can, proof. Tell, can you tell them the story? <laughs> see, see, can you see this book? Is there, yeah. see, see these things? These colored things here? These colored markers? Hi, Tova. That's uh, for the book. That's writing my, my, my but story. But this is Larry's current book that's out now. Yeah, yeah. The Loopholes Dossier, which we'll talk about. But yeah, before okay. we get to current events, yeah. I... I so, so you, so you're in Far Rock. Are you a weird kid? Are you a straight? Are you, a, are you a funny kid? What kind of kid are you? I'm a, I, I won funniest in high school two years in a row. So, uh, junior year and senior. Year. And what did that look like? Are you, are you in plays? Are you just? Funny? I, I was in, I was in, a, a, I was in a Dear Ruth was the play that I was in, and okay. I got the biggest laugh. I'll never forget that. That was the first laugh I ever got, and it was so big. Do you remember what you did that got the laugh? Yes, I, 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 I did this. I, I did this. I'll, I'll show you exactly. Okay. That's it. <laughs> Huge fucking laugh. And I'll tell you why. And, and, and I couldn't find that laugh again. And this has happened to me on stage uh, at least twice in, in big plays. Okay. But that one, in other words, I had a girl, and dear Ruth, I had a girlfriend. I think it was Ruth. I, I don't remember much about the play, but I do remember this. So I had a girlfriend. I was the, the funny boyfriend who was going to be upstaged by the hero of the play okay. with Ruth, who was the heroine of the play. Mm -hmm. So I get shut out. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm, I'm kind of gawky, you know, geek kind mm -hmm. of guy, mm -hmm. written. And um, I, there's a, a gathering in the, in the household, and I'm sitting on the arm of a couch. I was talking to her mother. Mm -hmm. And the hero comes in. I don't know that they have something going on. Mm -hmm. And uh, she, she's trying to tell me. She hasn't told me yet. He comes in. He knows he shouldn't say the wrong thing because she has a boyfriend. Mm -hmm. He's going to be at the house. So just, you know, cool it. Something like that. And then he says something immediately 
as a as a laugh or something like that, referring to blowing the whole thing about hey, is your boyfriend here or something like that? And I was just going, and I went, and it was the first time I had ever known my girlfriend had a boyfriend. So I got a big laugh from the from the high school students. Yes. You know? Yeah, I mean it's a whoa, but the whole point was, and and people have pointed this out to me like mm -hmm. a rule. Mm -hmm. In stage plays, generally, mm -hmm. visual takes precedence over oral. Interesting. Yeah. In the first thing, when, because I didn't know about, about the laugh, there was a laugh there. Right. And I didn't know, I hadn't rehearsed it, and mm -hmm. I didn't know that when he said that, because I didn't do any backstory about my character. I was a high school student. Right. I just remembered the lines and said them. Mm -hmm. But on stage, in that performance, I suddenly realized when he said, you know, is your boyfriend here yet? Mm -hmm. He was referring to me, yes. and that's my girlfriend. What? And I just reacted in a real way. Right. Because it was real. And the audience dug the reality of the situation and I moved and nobody else was moving on stage. Mm -hmm. So that's why I got their attention. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, he would get the laugh. Right. Know. Okay, so the next night, the director said, keep that in. That, that's a good laugh. Mm -hmm. So I did it the next night and there was no laugh because I didn't move. I think I just moved my head. Mm -hmm. Or he was moving when he said ah. the line. Something going on. So they never saw it. So, so he said, well, then, then cut it. Okay, years later when I was at the um, uh, Mark Taper Forum mm -hmm. doing uh, uh, Sam Shepard's play, uh, L.A., something L.A., a Angel City, mm -hmm. there was a, on opening night, the hero of the play, the, the, the lead of the play, mm -hmm. not the hero, the lead of the play mm -hmm. was giving a long speech. Mm -hmm. And we were all supposed to, and he was up on a dais kind of thing, giving a long speech to his office, and the office was below him, and mm -hmm. we were all his subjects. Mm -hmm. that, that was kind of the relationship. We weren't employees, we were subjects. Mm -hmm. So Sam Shepard had said that one of his employees was called Timpani, my character. And what he did was he played a timpani drum in the office, and they had a real timpani, and Timpani, the actor who had to play that part, mm -hmm. had to be able to play the timpani because that actor played the overture only on the timpani. Mm -hmm. And then in the play, I would just be cleaning. The, that was all I did is I cleaned the timpani. Mm -hmm. That was my, yeah, there was a secretary. Mm -hmm. There was a, mm -hmm. okay. So I didn't have many lines mm -hmm. really. And then cleaning, cleaning. And every once in a while, I would accent somebody. If something was important, I go boom. That was all. <laughs> it was really cool. It was, yeah. was kind of cool. Yeah. But I had to learn how to play the timpani to right. play the overture, which uh -huh. I which I did. And the mm -hmm. review, I, I one of the best reviews I've ever got. It said it was amazing how they got a timpani player to be that good an actor. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you want. That's a compliment. That's yeah, what you that's want. That's great. Yeah, that was That's fantastic. Great. So in the middle of his long speech where he was going like this, mm -hmm. um, I, I was supposed to, uh, yeah, uh, we, we all just relaxed and turned to him. Mm -hmm. And he's giving this long speech, like t t to the people. Mm -hmm. 
and he went up on his line. It was opening night. Going he, up on your line means forgetting your line. Yeah. I, I, okay. Okay, so he, he went up on his lines. Mm -hmm. He forgot his lines. Mm -hmm. And there was a long silence. Mm -hmm. And nobody knew what to do. There, no cue was thrown or anything. And all of a sudden, the house is packed. We're all on stage facing this way. <laughs> and he's standing up there. I'm seeing him. And this shock on his face, trying to come up with the next line. And so I was like this. And everybody was still, because they were supposed to be listening to him. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know this, but remember what I just said about movement mm -hmm. and speech. Mm -hmm. What I did was, instinctively, because I was an improvisational actor. Right. I try to relax. You know, okay. oh, he'll think of it, you know, oh, this is normal. This is within the play. <laughs> So I went, you know, like this. Oh, and I, I guess I forgot. At one point, I was making pancakes mm. on the on the on the timpani, timpani surface, like it was a grill. In mm. another part of the play, mm. oh, everybody said. He said, "Well, you probably all have other things you would rather be doing." And then at this, is according to Sam Shepard, and then everybody starts miming. The thing that they really wanted to be, okay. like the secretary would be a, maybe a doctor. Okay. She was just miming, you know, uh, going like this. Mm -hmm. Somebody else was filing something or doing it. And I was making pancakes. making pancakes. I was flipping pancakes. So in the silence, I just did this, you know, like I'm listening to him. And I burned my shoulder. Or I burned my hand. Mm -hmm. I went, ow, 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 ow. And the place fucking broke up, you know. Covering the thing, he, while they were, it was a big, huge laugh, because mm -hmm. I think they thought maybe he had forgotten a line, so there was a tension that but was then released. You relieved the I released the, the right, tension, right. so that's what I, why I got the big laugh. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, somebody shouted to him his next line, covered mm -hmm. by the laughter, mm -hmm. and the play went on. Okay, in the, re in the review, it got mentioned. Oh, that thing about when you know, they burned a thing, that was really funny. Uh, it was just a mention. Okay. And the director came backstage after the show and said, um, we got to keep that in. That's a great laugh. But we never found it again. Mm. And the reason we never, he said, just, you know, do that pause where you forgot your line. Now do it on, on purpose. Right. But he, every show we couldn't get it because, I don't know, everybody else was waiting for it or he was moving. Or mm. it, it, it just, right. the tension wasn't there because mm -hmm. it was practiced, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then finally, the star, mm -hmm. the lead, mm -hmm. uh, in, in, in rehearsal, in an afternoon rehearsal after we opened, came up to me and the director and said, hey, I, I, I can give that speech without forgetting line. I don't, let's cut that. It's not funny and I'm just hanging there. Mm -hmm. So they, they cut it, so it was the only time. Yeah, but stuff like that happens all the time because he used to do a lot of plays. Okay, so so let's talk about that. So so when you're a kid, you know, do you know what's do you know that's what you want to do? Do you know you want to be on stage? I didn't as a kid. I never wanted to be or do anything. <laughs> I was a now kid. I lived in the now. Mm -hmm. I, there was no future. Uh -huh. Never, all the way until. Were you uh, a good student? Yeah, I would get A's. Yeah, I was oh, an A that's, student. That's a good thing. Yeah, and no, but but it went like this in, in mm -hmm. public school, in high school, and in college. And I looked this up. Uh huh. My track record is first year A, B, C, mm. D, F. Mm. High school A, B, C, 
D, F. College, A, B, C, thrown out twice. Uh, and then A again because, uh, I don't know, I just was tired of being thrown out or... So, so was it your behavior? I, I get bored was, really fast. Okay. So that's the ADHD kind of... Yeah, uh, yeah the focus. I mean, I, in other words, I can focus in the beginning because mm -hmm. it's, it's new and my mind is just attracted to anything new. I'm really curious. Mm -hmm. But after a while, well, it's just he's, he's talking and I got to make and we have a test and he talks and we have a test. I, it's a fucking... You know. So when did, when did you start to get passionate? When did you start to get interested? When did you start to have a focus? Okay, I want to be an actor. I want to, do, I want to be a comedian. I was... Uh, no, because I had nothing to do. I, he, uh, Carl was working on reviewing movies night after night after night. And you're cleaning out duck tracks. Well, but, uh, but at 1.30 a.m., so mm -hmm. I have the whole night mm -hmm. free. And we were in Greenwich Village, and I didn't have any money. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, except for the duck board, but that went for the rent and mm -hmm. a little food. Mm -hmm. I was eating uh, liver and peanut butter sandwiches, mm -hmm. you know, liver for the iron and the vitamins and the mm -hmm. peanut butter for the rest of the stuff. I looked it up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Carl said, are you eating peanut butter? How can you eat liver and peanut butter? I said, yeah, but I got to stay healthy. So, so he, um, I would start going to free stuff like Monday night open mics. And then I said, wait a minute, I was a funny guy in high school. I was a funny guy in college. I can be as funny as those guys, but it's a learning curve. So I was really pretty bad in the beginning. But Did I you, started, were you doing stand-up? Were you Yeah, writing, open, you, open mic. I would go right, up and so, I would just talk about my day. So you would just talk, you weren't writing I set. never wrote anything, uh -huh. ever. I didn't know how to write comedy. I right. didn't know the setup and the punchline. I okay. mean, I knew it in my head, but mm -hmm. I... So I, I just, and then finally, um, uh, somebody, and I was getting really good. I was, gonna, then, I was saying, did it, did it click for you? Very right slowly. It took uh, okay. six months, but oh, but I, but okay. in six months, I was opening for Woody Allen. That's not slow. Well, to me, it really was. Wow, that's well. Not I had slow. his manager, and he said, you know, you're gonna open for Woody. He came in one night. You got a manager? No. You want one? Jack Rollins. Yeah, Jack Rollins. Yeah. I know. I know his. Yeah, and, and Charlie Jaffe, but Jack was the one mm -hmm. who came in and said, hey, you got a manager. I didn't know who he was. I didn't find out, because uh, he would come in every Mon Monday night. I said, when are you going to be on a Monday night? I said, well, I'll be in next week. He said, I come in, and he would check on me. And then finally he said, um, okay, uh, listen, uh, uh, Woody is opening at the Jim Paul Islas downstairs at the upstairs, downstairs, because he had an upstairs too, mm -hmm. and uh, well, I'm going to book you and you go open for Woody. So I opened for Woody for about a week or two, and then Woody got billed into the Americana Hotel, mm -hmm. and he was doing the Ed Sullivan show. Mm -hmm. So I went to uh, Jack. Finally, I said, oh, wow, Woody Allen. You, you're, you're his manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he go, and, and Mike Nichols and Elaine May. Mm -hmm. And so he goes, uh, so I said, well, get me on the Ed Sullivan show. And he goes, Larry, you're doing drug stuff. You're doing <laughs> marijuana. You're doing sex. And you curse on stage. Yeah, well, that's what's funny, right? And he goes, yeah, but you need television material. And I didn't know what the hell he meant by television mm -hmm. material. Mm -hmm. And I didn't write, so I said, I can't write it because I don't know how to write comedy. I just get up there and talk and then save it. Mm -hmm. And uh, Were you so, able to save it? Were you able to Oh, yeah, it? no, my memory, my memory of my own stuff. Uh -huh. it, it's like names. I can't remember names, but I can remember facts. So I think that 
memory and of names and my stuff goes to a different part of your brain than factual and 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 learning lines learning lines goes in learning lines maybe and names go in the same place they do as, for me yeah as, as directions and there's part of me that's wow that's really great about my brain and and there's oh man what a curse mm -hmm. So, and they don't, they don't cross over. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then I was opening for the Kingston Trio and Miles Davis and a lot of, you know, famous people. I would people. call you like a jazz comedian. I, I yeah, can yeah. see you melding with jazz because you're thinking right. well, it's kind of like jazz. Mar um, Miles wanted me to tour with him. So that was really cool. Wow. But he wanted me to tour in Europe and I, I didn't know about leaving America at the time. Mm -hmm. I thought my, my big money would be here. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I should have, but... You know, well, yes or no, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I was pretty good at doing it, but I was so good that I was mimicking, uh, not stealing, but mm -hmm. being like, you know, Pryor and Carlin mm -hmm. uh, and Lenny. Like, mm -hmm. I saw Lenny mm -hmm. and, and, and Carlin and Pryor. And, and we would pass each other mm -hmm. on the road. I'll be opening for, the, you know, or, or sometimes they'd be come in a day before, or I'd come in a day before and check the act that was leaving. Right. And it was either Pryor or Carlin um, or... Um, Robert Klein. Robert Klein. And also, who's the guy who, uh, his, uh, Eisenstein is his real name. Uh, Albert Brooks. Albert Brooks, yeah. Albert, wow. Oh, man, he would kill. I would come in the day before. Paul Reiner said he's the funniest person oh, he's ever. Oh, man. Yeah. I would just I'd be in tears on the floor, and I go, "Oh man, I open tomorrow night, and I gotta follow this guy." Holy cow! But anyway, that you know, and then finally the police started to, you know, the end of the '60s mm -hmm. and drugs and Dobermans, and uh, so um, I was taken. Uh, I was opening for the Eleven Spoonful and the Blues Project, wow. and I was big, you know. Wow. But. Mm -hmm. When they started doing the college tours, mm -hmm. uh, Washington D.C., what no Washington University in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, mm -hmm. I was taken off the stage by the police. They called the police and because because I was cursing on stage and talking about marijuana and sex and all that wow. stuff, and the students wouldn't take it. So it was it. like a the Lenny thing. Oh my God! But I wasn't doing drugs yet. Mm -hmm. So this was a total surprise to me. I mean, I was watching Lenny, I was watching Pryor, I was right. talking to me. All the musicians that I, you know, would come and see me, they mm -hmm. were doing drugs. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything. But it hadn't occurred to me yet. I was doing well and they would thought I was funny and they hey, you got open for us, man. Mm -hmm. And then finally when I sat down, I was never around when they were lighting up. Mm -hmm. That was basically it. Mm -hmm. I was either on the road or with someone. And then finally, when I was in the committee, mm -hmm. when I finally got an apartment and I had a steady job being in the committee and we were successful, then I started doing, you know, doing marijuana because I was around when people were lighting up because I wasn't on the road. Mm -hmm. So, hey, come on over. We're doing marijuana. Really? And then, luckily, again, when people were doing, were shooting up, uh, the one time when I was there when they were shooting up, just one guy, an artist, who I know, who are hanging around. I mean, you know, just hanging around. And he's, oh, come on over to the house, you know. If you're in the neighborhood, come on. So I dropped in, hey, how you doing? So we were talking, he was an artist, and that's what our thing was. Oh, I draw that, I draw this. And then he says, well, and we were talking and talking, and he takes out his works, you know, just like normal, like, you know, turn it out, blah, blah, blah. 
blah, 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 blah. And he says, you want to get high? And I go, okay. And that was like the tell right there. And he goes, you've never been high. Oh, well, I smoke marijuana. Yeah, but you've never shut up. No. I'm not going to be the first guy, man. Thank God. Fuck off. And he just put it away. Thank God. Yeah! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so, and I took that as, wow. And the guy was re really a cool guy. I mean, he's very intelligent and, and a great artist and a great friend, a great friend. Uh, for that. A great friend. A great friend. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would talk about it on the stage because, I, you know, and that's why the students, and they were throwing, you know, the, the auditoriums, where they have the wooden handles, you know, the wooden armrests, mm -hmm. the old movies, the auditorium. Mm -hmm. They come off. You can, you can, uh -huh. not, you know. Uh -huh. Okay, so I was on the stage at Washington University in St. Louis, packed, loving spoonful. Mm -hmm. I was opening for them. Mm -hmm. And I'm really telling my, you know, my stuff and getting a real lot of laughs. And then I get into the, the heavier stuff about, you know, the halfway through or quarter of the way through. I'm talking about drugs. Okay, that's, you know, that's, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, right. Okay, cool. And then I get into, okay, let's talk about God. No, we don't want to hear that. We don't want to, what? This is, I'm looking off to the uh, spoonful in the, in the wings. And I go, I thought this was a college crowd. No, we don't want to hear that. Talk about the, you know, whatever, you know. Talk about your family. You know? No, I want to know. We're going to talk about God. Okay, okay. You know, no, 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 no. Listen to this. Listen to this. Shut up. And I go, okay. Okay. Here's, here's, okay. God invents man. God, God creates man. Here's, here's man. Here's woman. Wait a minute. And I put the little man on top of the microphone. You know, stand up microphone. And I go, hey, how you doing, guy? You know, no clothes. What? Hey, what's that between your legs? Wow. Boo. No, we don't want to hear that. No, no, no. So, students man I thought this is sex drugs and rock and roll boo and they start pulling the handle off <laughs> heaving them at me on the first, the first and second rows and they're like get off no no and I go whoa whoa and they're laughing their heads off they're laughing their heads off and I go okay okay and I I'm ducking these things and finally I say okay okay and I'm really talking to them okay 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 no more no more no more alright fine I'll do the clean stuff. Yeah, yeah, we want the clean stuff. Okay, so I, I do the clean stuff, you know, and I'm getting pretty good laughs. They come back, right? They come right back. So I get this big laugh on this one thing, and so I go, all right, it's time. Okay, but we're going to talk about God now. Okay, so you've got this thing. No, so the guys in the back are pulling off the things and passing them down to the guys in the front. So they, yeah, I mean, no girls involved in this. No, no girls were throwing them. But the, the, the guys in the back are handing, handing them down on the, sec, the, on the second time, and then I see this phalanx of cops come down. And we found out later that the first time I started talking about the, the sex organs, the dean was in there in the back, and he called the cops then the first time. And then it took 10 minutes for them to uh. come. And meanwhile, I was doing clean stuff. So they oh. just waited in the back. <laughs> and, you know, I think, well, he's, he's doing clean stuff. We can't do anything. And then I start, oh, now we're going to talk about the sex thing. Like, Boom! And they just came down. 
And the loving spoon's like, yeah, keep doing the dirty stuff. And they come up and they just take me very politely. They, they were very polite. And they just drag me, well, you know, I walked. With them. They drag me off stage and I said, what's going on? What, what the hell's going on? He says, you're talking dirty. You're not going to go on anymore. They called the police. They called us. Mm-hmm. So, and I, well, well, yeah. He says, so, and then they, uh, so 10 cops, 18 cops, two cops stayed with me, mm-hmm. just on each side. Mm-hmm. And I said, now what? And he said, well, we're going to stand here and keep you off the stage until they set up the drums and stuff like that. So they're setting it up, they're setting it up, and as soon as the curtains open and the band start playing, um, the cops just walked away and just left me there. So I go, oh, what? So then they do the, the whole thing, and then uh, we got in the bus, and we go to Northwestern, and there's this big discussion about, oh, well, what are you going to do, Hankin? And I go, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's crazy. I wasn't, it was totally unexpected. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, we get up there and we, we get a, I guess we flew up and then we took a bus from the bus station, uh, from the airport to the hotel. We get out of the bus, there's five of us, uh, four of the spoonful, me, and then two managers, mm-hmm. the, their managers. So we get up, that's five, that's seven people. We get off and we're in the lobby and we walk over to the check-in desk and there's three people standing in front of the checkout desk. And they say, you the uh, Love and Spoonful party? One is a police captain, a priest, <laughs> and a guy in a suit with gray hair. And they say... Uh, and they just, walk into a bar. No, sorry. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, they say, uh, is this the Love and Spoonful party? Yeah. Is there Larry Hankin here? And then the two managers turn to us, the group, and they say, go upstairs. They didn't say... We weren't mm-hmm. talking to anybody. Mm-hmm. Go upstairs, go into your room, uh, lock the door. They t- I, m- now, I guess they t- this, these three guys came after we checked in, mm-hmm. or maybe they were waiting mm-hmm. because we had keys already. Mm-hmm. So that, okay, so he said, go upstairs, go into the room, lock the door, and don't let anybody in except us and wait for us. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, very. And we get into the elevator, go up to the room, lock down. They're laughing and thinking, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. Man. But half hour later, they come up and they say, the two managers, and they say, okay, here's the deal. They don't want you to go on. That, that's it. Washington University called mm. the dean and told him that they have a filthy mouth comedian <laughs> opening up. Don't let him on. So the dean said he's not going on just the love and spoonful. Mm-hmm. They talked him into letting you go on as long as you do clean material. Mm-hmm. As soon as you do any not clean material, <laughs> they're going to either shut the lights or pull you off stage. So that's the deal. Take it or leave it. We're going to go have dinner. And they walked out. So they walked out. So we're thinking something. Uh, then they say, you got to do your real show. you got to do your real show, man. you got to do your real show. And I'm thinking, oh, well, I don't know. Okay, fine, what the fuck, you know. All right, fine, I'm going to get fired. You know, it's just, it's that mentality. So I go out and uh, on the stage, and you know, open, open with the clean stuff, blah, 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 blah. And it just kept on going, laughs all the way through. Just, I killed the whole, you know. No, everything was no, fine. Nobody was offended by anything. No, nobody was offended by anything. It was just like a normal show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, And that was it. But I called 
my my manager and I said Jack mm -hmm. and I said Jack man I can't keep this up man I don't know whether I'm going on I was just pulled off by the police down in Washington uh, you know were you getting press for this no, there's no, 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 because it wasn't a thing yet. It was okay. just, there was just this one guy who was right. being dirty. It was like, uh, the, Lenny was a drug addict right. by then, and they were just hawking him a China. Right. You know? They were just <laughs> bothering the hell out of him. You know, and I would talk to Lenny, and I they would say, they, they just keep blowing smoke up my ass. That's a direct quote. Really? Yes, that's what he said to me. He, but he I was a poor guy. I mean, and then, he, and then he, you know... So I just said, I can't do this anymore, man. Mm -hmm. So again, you know, A, B, C, D, you know, I've thrown out of college. Again, I was, I was in it just for the moment. It wasn't something like, you have brass balls and you just keep doing it like Pryor or Carlin or even Lenny because you had to do it. Mm -hmm. it, it has nothing. I didn't have to do it. I was just doing it because, hey, man, that's what showed up. And I'm making money. So he just said, so you're going to quit? I go, yeah, man. I mean, this is no fun. I like people to laugh. I don't like cops and things. you know. And Miles Davis, I thought that was really fun. But if this is going to be what it is. So he said, well, why don't you join Second City? You can do the same material, but they own the theater. And besides, I mean, I, I, the, the thing about the cops and the get off the stage mm -hmm. That had been going on even when I was being booked with the Kingston Trio. A guy came out with a bottle out of the audience and said, get the fuck off the stage. We, want to, we don't want to hear that crap. I mean, it was just happening. Mm -hmm. They were getting the press and I was just kind of bringing up the rear. Right. It was kind of boring for me. I wasn't famous yet. They at least were famous because they had been on television and I had been on television. Yet. Right. So um, I told him, he's, so I, I watched audition for... Second City, mm -hmm. I auditioned with um, Robin Williams. Now, he wasn't Robin Williams yet, mm -hmm. but he was still wearing the bib, white bib overalls, mm -hmm. and he had the rainbow suspenders. Mm -hmm. And I known him, I'd seen him in the village, and he did one or two shots on television, so I recognized him. Mm -hmm. So we both auditioned, and he got in, and I got in. He went somewhere else, and I went down to St. Louis. So I was down there, and that's how I kind of became an actor. It's, I went up to Second City, was in Second City for a while. And then uh, we, we kind of quit, a group of us, and started uh, the committee in San Francisco. And then uh, it was $15 to fly up from L.A. to San Francisco and back. I think it was maybe 30 bucks round trip. <laughs> so it was the inc most incredible thing you could ever think. Nobody knew me in L.A. because I was always on the road and I was a stand-up comedian, mm -hmm. not famous at all, mm -hmm. rock and roll, nothing to do with movies. But for 30 bucks, they could fly up producers, mm -hmm. directors, mm -hmm. stars, mm -hmm. would fly up, watch us because we were really funny and getting press. Right. And that it was like getting a free audition in something that you are great in, mm -hmm. all of us. Mm -hmm. We were really good. So they would call and say, hey, come on down. You know, here's 30 bucks. We'll pay for your plane fare, a round trip. Mm -hmm. I would go down, you audition, they would fly you back, and you get the job. You'd make a couple of hundred bucks. So how did you start so how that did you start to transition to, to screen acting? How did that happen? Well, I was doing sitcoms, you know, Laverne and Shirley. Uh, um, Penny, um, Marshall. Penny Marshall saw me in the committee. She was one of the people who flew up. Uh-huh. 
flew back, I get a call saying, hey, Penny Marshall from the production company. Mm -hmm. I uh, wasn't with uh, uh, Jack anymore because mm -hmm. I was in the committee. Mm -hmm. Didn't need to know what. So they said, um, do you want to come down? Uh, they called me personally. Mm -hmm. And they said, you know, Penny Marshall wants to dance with you. You, you. She, she's looking as a part. She has a date for the prom, mm -hmm. and she, and, and you're a tall guy, and you look very physical, or mm -hmm. you were very physical. So she wants to dance with you. So you come down and audition. So I auditioned. This is really funny, man. This is what. I go down there, so I'm rehearsing. So I, I got the job. Mm -hmm. Okay, Penny Marshall. She saw me, and, and she liked me. Mm -hmm. uh, she's, you know, she, we were great. Together, mm -hmm. we had the same kind of uh, sense of sense of humor. Mm -hmm. So we were practicing dancing. Mm -hmm. So we're, we had the stage to ourselves. Mm -hmm. So so she's coming up with ideas. I'm coming up with ideas. Okay, how about we we'll do this? How about that? That that? And then she said, "How about if you just drop me? You know, dip me and then drop me." Now she's a a practiced physical comedian, right. and she's almost like a stunt woman. Wow. She really knows how to fall and stuff. Uh -huh. So she's really a great comedian. Mm -hmm. So I'm, and I said, she said, just drop me. And I go, I don't know, man. It's, and, and it didn't work out. I mean, it was just too, it was too awkward. Okay. There was no way to get her back up. And so I said, well, how about this? How about I go over to the couch and I dip you on the couch and then if I drop you, all right. So, yeah. you know, it's not a big as laugh, uh -huh. okay. Uh -huh. So I did that and that worked really well. And then uh -huh. she says, okay, well, well, what if now you fall on top of me? Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, so I did that uh -huh. and all of a sudden I hear this voice, what the hell's going on here? And it's Gary yeah. Marshall, her brother. <laughs> so she says, oh, she just said, matter of fact, we're rehearsing, why? And she says, uh -huh. well, what is this touchy-feely bullshit? <laughs> And I go, touchy-feely. And she goes, no, no, Gary, we're rehearsing the dance yeah. for the show. Uh -huh. And he says, no, touchy-feely, no, touchy-feely. <laughs> and he goes, he says, Can you just keep away. And she looks at me, she says, he's my brother. <laughs> so, so he says, you know, so no more of that stuff. So she looks at me and she shrugs. She says, he's the producer. So, all right, so that's out. So he says, all right, fine. So just no touchy-feely, and he walks away. So he says, no, so she says to me, no touchy-feely. All right. So we rehearsed no touchy-feely. So that's the kind of thing that was going, I mean, it was really, but that's the kind of roles I, I was having. And so when, when, did, when did things like start to shift for you that if you Well, I, I got a, an, an agent mm -hmm. because of the Laverne and Shirley thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he kissed, he, I said, how did you find me? Because I was trying to get an agent mm -hmm. before that. And they would say, like, I would get these kind of things, like, um, boy, well, that New York accent, we can't use that. So, yeah, that was back in the day, you know, the 60s. Uh -huh. You know, regional accents were, like, verboten. Everybody right. had to be from the standard Midwest. Standard American, yeah. Yes, yeah, standard American. Mm -hmm. And that was, I was fighting that, so I was trying to forget my, you know, New York accent, until some, I, one guy said, um, okay, yeah, you know, I don't know. I said, well, why? He said, geez, if you were only a young black kid, I could use you. <laughs> if only you were a young black what? kid. What, what does that mean? I, you know, never mind. You know, so he said, no, I can't, you know, I'm looking for young black kids now. That's what's going on. Uh -huh. So I said, well, okay, thanks. 
so then uh, I got a call from an agent. He said, hey, do you have an agent yet? No. Do you want one? Yeah. Why don't you come in? Mm -hmm. And I go, wait a minute. How do you even know about me? Uh -huh. So I walked, every once in a while, I'll go into a hit show and I'll just ask, I'll just show up to the production office mm -hmm. and I'll say, anybody interesting come through. Mm -hmm. That's my standard mm -hmm. line. Mm -hmm. they, they know me by now. Mm -hmm. So I walked into the Laverne Shirley production office and anybody interesting come through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this guy who's uh, rehearsing with uh, Laverne, uh, Laverne, you know, with, uh, uh, what's your name? Uh, um, um, Penny. Penny, yeah. thank you. With Penny. <laughs> Anybody? Yeah, there was an uh, interesting guy rehearsing with Penny. Mm -hmm. And then he watched the show. Mm -hmm. And then I came in and he says, uh, yeah, you're pretty funny. Yeah, I can use you. Yeah. So I just signed him. So that's how I got an agent. And then he said, you know, you should be doing serious stuff. And I didn't want to do serious stuff. I wanted to make people laugh. Mm -hmm. That was the only desire I had, was making people laugh. If I could be in something or be on a stage or be my own stand-up guy mm -hmm. and make people laugh, that's what I wanted to do. If I could make funny faces in a mirror, mm -hmm. okay, make myself, whatever. That's why, so he said serious, and I said, no, I don't want to do that. And then he would send me up for the serious stuff, and I would get it. Mm -hmm. And I would do it because the money is much more in the serious stuff, and it's their well, hour Escape thing. Escape from Alcatraz. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. And then uh, I did Escape from Alcatraz. That was serious. And I get a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And then the first thing I did was I made a little movie called Sally's Diner, mm -hmm. and that got an Academy Award nomination. Which is phenomenal. I can't miss, you know, yeah. except I can in other ways. Okay, so in let's... Me. I want. Okay, so I want to talk about that a little, um, because you've had... You know, I keep hearing water running, and I'm like writing up to my kids, turn off the shower, turn off the water, and nothing's on. Do you hear that water running? I hear water running. What's No, I hear water, and I, and I don't know where it's coming from. My kids are saying it's not them, so I don't know oh. what's going on, because I hear water. You don't hear it? No, Listen, but I'm hard of hearing sound? so. It's somebody's, it's your, it's your, it's your phone. That's not. That's not that. Something is, is making a hissing sound. I don't hear it. I hear it. Oh, okay. It's absolutely happening, but I don't know where it is, and it's making me crazy. But anyway, okay, so I wanted to talk to you because you've had, in your personal life, you've had all this success in your career, and yet you've had some very low bottoms. Yeah, well, yeah, well now that I look back on it, yeah, they were kind of low bottoms, but even even when it was a low bottom, mm -hmm. I didn't think it was a low bottom. I thought it was like kind of bad luck or just a, a passing thing. This too shall pass. It was just part of the now thing. Okay, I wait, never before, looked at the before future. Before you go there, I just want to say that I, I was at a meeting. I'm a 12-stepper. I was at a meeting oh, cool. a, a couple days ago. Cool. And we were talking about addiction, too, and, and we'll talk about that, too. But um, somebody was saying, the speaker was saying that he... Uh, was home was homeless a few years. He, oh he, he yeah, he was hugely successful. Oh, I loved it. Hugely successful. You know, had four homes. You know, three cars. The kid, the wife, the kids, the the all the shows on the networks, and lost everything. And here he was sitting before us now, a couple years later, and he's now that's my ice machine, and he got it all back, and he's you know, doing very well again. And then someone else was saying that they also were homeless two years ago. And here he said, and to me, my greatest fear, right, is 
I write about that. Is is that, that happening? Behold, we are their worst nightmare. And yet, here these people are who have been through that, come out the other side. They've survived it. If you can survive that, I'm figuring you can survive almost anything. So, what took you down there with this success happening in your career? A fluke. Like total fluke. Can you tell the story? Yeah, I was uh, I was living on a houseboat. Now it wasn't a, it, it was an LS. T, LSD, LST. Okay, I don't know what that means. Uh, well, okay. You know when you see uh, the Second World War uh, black and white news footage of landing on uh, on uh, Omaha Beach? Okay. And, and you're going towards it. You know that boat that you're in with the soldiers with all, they were packed in there like sardines mm -hmm. and the, the thing goes down and they all, and then that boat. Uh, in Sausalito, on Sausalito, there was a junkyard in San Francisco, across mm -hmm. the bay. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a junkyard, and the owner of that junkyard was an old, really rich guy. Uh -huh. Really old, really rich. Uh -huh. And his daughter lived, uh, she's a weird, crazy lady, uh -huh. and she lived on the dock. Uh, that junkyard was on the beach, uh, mm -hmm. on, on the shore, mm -hmm. not a beach. Sure, junkyard. Mm -hmm. That he bought, uh, there was a sale at the end of the war, mm -hmm. long time ago, of those boats mm -hmm. that were in, on the mm -hmm. Omaha beachhead. He bought about 10 of them. Okay. And then what he did was he took off the front thing, that metal thing that goes down, mm -hmm. and he boarded it up, mm -hmm. caulked it, mm -hmm. put a door in all of them, Put a roof on about seven feet off of the floor. The mm -hmm. floor was duckboards. That's mm -hmm. what those soldiers were standing on, duckboards. Because mm -hmm. the bottom is like a V, because mm -hmm. it's a boat. Mm -hmm. So they duckboarded it across. Uh -huh. Really cheap. So duckboards, empty. He whitewashed all of them. And then he floated them out off his uh, shoreline, mm -hmm. off the junkyard. Uh, anchored them about 25 yards out into the bay. Mm -hmm put a roof on a tar paper, and then he connected them to the shore with one wire. That was your electricity. Uh, and then he put a, a light bulb in there, and then a, uh, and then a uh, light socket, uh, about three light sockets. Mm -hmm. So you could plug in a radio or a mm -hmm. light, whatever, mm -hmm. radio. Uh, and, um, and then he rented them out for about $100 a month, you know. So I rented one of those. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was paying $100 a month. And you, you, what you do is you get... Uh, but you were already a successful actor. No, no. Oh. Uh, no, no. I, I had left Chicago. Mm -hmm. And we had shown up in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And I took a... And yeah, we opened and that was successful. Mm -hmm. But then I took a sabbatical because I like to do my stand-up. Mm -hmm. So I, I would leave the, the committee and I would go on the road mm -hmm. for about two or three months. So mm -hmm. I'd give up my apartment. Mm -hmm. and then I'd come back. I'd make enough money on the road to come back and rent another apartment. Uh -huh. And they would always save a place for me. On the committee. On the committee. And uh -huh. I was always right. welcome back. Right. They was, okay, Larry's right. back. Okay, you get out. Larry's in. So, uh, because I was really good at doing that. I, 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 loved, I loved doing it. And that was the only thing that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I would want to be on that stage in San Francisco, improvising for the rest of my life. I'd still be there. Okay, so I would go around, blah, blah, blah. I gave up my apartment, come back, rented this boat. Uh, but I hadn't gone back into the committee. And I thought, well, I got a lot of money. I got this boat. It came with a... Uh, an old uh, park uh, rowboat, 
you know, these they bought. Mm -hmm. He also bought uh, rowboats from mm -hmm. old parks mm -hmm. with lagoons or whatever lakes. So I would row out, you know, and then I would row in once a month with cash mm -hmm. to this crazy lady who lived in a, in a little house on the dock, a weird little house. I never saw her comb her hair. That's why I call her crazy. Her hair was always like crazy, and she and she dressed like a crazy lady. She was about fifty. And I would just pay her the hundred bucks and I would row back to my house once a month. So that was it. That was the deal. Mm -hmm. No, no contract. I didn't phone her. I didn't write her. Nothing. Boom, here's your money. Okay, so now I got a call from a, a friend in New York. He's writing a movie. He wanted a, um, a wild man. A wild man is just somebody who just throws jokes, you know. He says, well, I got this situation where he's coming on to her and he's da da and they blah, blah, blah. You know, we need something funny. Oh, they fall out of bed. Great. Okay. Boom, boom, boom. That's, so he wanted that. I said, yeah, but I, I mean, how long is it going to take? He said, three weeks. I said, well, okay, because I got to pay rent and I, you know, mm -hmm. but can you pay me? Mm -hmm. So he says, oh, no, uh, this is a this is a real thing. So I'm going to pay you, and you can live with me and my wife. So you got a place to stay, mm -hmm. three weeks. Great, man. You know. So mm -hmm. I and he said plane ticket there and back. Mm -hmm. Cool. Flew in, helping him three weeks, and it's really great. You know, he's, I'm making him laugh. He's writing stuff. Mm -hmm. Took two months and three days. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting. You know. So I said, all right. Well, I haven't rode in. I don't know the phone number. I mean, there's no right. junkyard. I don't know. Right, so I'll right. pay you when I get back. Mm -hmm. So I, I got back. He flew me back. I row out. The boat is empty, mm -hmm. totally empty, and it's been re-whitewashed. Mm -hmm. So it's like the day before I moved in. Mm -hmm. So I row back, you know, go to the dock, knocking on the door, and this time a guy opens up in a wife beater t-shirt. Mm -hmm. You know, he's got slippers on. Mm -hmm. I go, I go, hi, where's the lady? Oh, that's, that's my wife. Well, what, what are you, what's that, that? Oh, you're that guy. You, you live on the boat. Yeah, you're Larry Hankin. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so where's, where's my stuff, man? What happened? Oh, well, you know, you were gone for two months at least. Yeah, but I mean, where, what, I was going to pay her. I got, and I had the mm -hmm. cash. I had two months cash. Mm -hmm. Plus, I thought I was going to give you a bonus. Here's the money. Where's my stuff? Well, uh, my wife rode out one night and she threw everybody, uh, everything overboard. What? Oh. My Bob Dylan poem. Oh. I wrote a Bob Dylan poem. I, you know, he liked it. I showed it to him. He liked it. That was the only copy. No, I had my, my rug from my bison blanket from my everything, everything. My, my books. My clothes, my sheets, my sleeping bag, my blankets, everything, my clothes, everything overboard. Yeah. Well, 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 well she's crazy, you know. <laughs> she's at the doctor right now. No, I didn't know. <laughs> no, right no, you can't. Yeah, but okay, but I, and it's already rented. Okay, so I was homeless. Boom. Homeless, so what you just do? like that. So what I did was I I went I immediately called my friend Mylan, who's nineteen um, uh, nineteen sixty three VW bus mm -hmm. was up for sale. I had written in it. Uh, it was completely gutted. It was like a delivery van. It was just metal, no cloth inside, no seats, mm -hmm. nothing. 
just the driver's seat, and that was kind of loose. But if you rode with him, you sat on a wooden box for Shafka. Mm -hmm. So it was just totally empty. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, listen, can I borrow your... I have no place to sleep tonight, man. I have nothing. So he lent me a sleeping bag and some blankets. And uh, he sold it to me for five bucks. So uh, I had a place to sleep. And I lived in it until uh, I could go... And I was homeless. Now, I had a job to go back to, mm -hmm. but I was broke. The committee. The committee. Right. I had a job, to, but I didn't tell them. I didn't even tell them I was back from the road. I didn't tell them that I was evicted. I just got, and I just lived on the streets. And I, every once in a while, I would How drop. How did you shower and stuff? Uh, what you do is I would call up a friend. Mm -hmm. So here's the downside, and this is what people don't know about being We're going to learn about homelessness now. Yeah, and, and it's in the book too, but mm -hmm. the, 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 what I'm going to mm -hmm. tell you is in the book. It, uh, what I would do is I would, I didn't have any, okay, you, you give out your friend's phone numbers to people who need to call you. And then they call, they call you or I would show up at the committee and say, did I get any messages? Mm -hmm. I remained homeless because I was really interested in the homeless situation. What is this like? And it was such a new, I was just a totally middle class how, kid. How old were you? I was in my 20s. Okay. You know, middle 20s. Mm -hmm. But it was just fascinating because I would live in my, because you, ha, you need a place to park every night mm -hmm. and it changes and this you don't know what's, so I would, just park in Greenwich, uh, in Greenwich in North Beach. Mm -hmm. I would just park, and sometimes you know there would be knocks on my window, and it would be a cop say, "You can't, you can't live, you can't park here." Mm -hmm. So I'd have to move it in the middle of the night, mm -hmm. or I would find places where I could park for a day. Or sometimes I would park, but it would be the wrong side of the street, or I'd have to change each side of the street. Um, and then um, I would say, "Well, I live here." That was my new thing. Mm -hmm. And they said, do you have a bathroom on board? And I'd say, no. Well, then you can't live in it. Mm -hmm. And then you can't park here. Mm -hmm. So even if I could find a place where I could park, mm -hmm. like a Winnebago place, mm -hmm. there's no bathroom on it. You can't park here. Mm -hmm. So I would have to deal with that every day. And then the people that you start hanging out with and then where to eat and how to find food. And, you know, cooking was out. I didn't have any place to cook. So I would either have to buy stuff that you could eat raw, mm -hmm. or it was pre-cooked. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of situations, or, or getting, taking a shower. Okay. And so the only money you had was the money you brought back from New York? With yeah, you? it was the money I saved. So mm -hmm. I, I didn't have a job, I didn't want to go, and I didn't want to go back into the committee. Because? So I had enough, because then I would be getting paid, and then I'd have enough money, and then I wouldn't be homeless. So, so you wanted I to be... Want, once I was homeless, <laughs> I said, let's ride this train wow. because, be, because to become homeless without any notice mm -hmm. like that, that's what happens to people who are homeless. They don't plan on being homeless. Something happens where, you know, either they're flooded out or the lightning strikes or there's a fire or in other words, you are homeless because of something that happened like that mm -hmm. okay yeah and then you're and you're because you're caught without a plan mm -hmm. I never thought about being homeless it never occurred to me to be homeless mm -hmm. and all of a sudden I was homeless and I thought yeah this is what writing is all about 
This is what, you know, I mean, I went there because I always lived in the now. Mm -hmm. There was no future to me, ever. Mm -hmm. So I thought, I'm homeless. Cool. How long did you do it? For a year. I did it for a year. And I really learned the ins and outs of being homeless. And what I write in here, I can read you something about being homeless right now. Well, you know, we've been talking for almost an hour and a half, and we haven't gotten to the meat of your career. And I okay. want to hear you, but I... I, I, okay, fine, I, fine, I, yeah, fine. I, I'm streamlining you because we're, we're gonna wrap soon. So I, so you did it for a year, and I want people to, to get your book. Yeah, I mean the the last third of the book is is what I'm what I should be telling you now. It's about I I just what I did is I invented a character who was also homeless with me. Only he knew about it because after a year I knew about it. Mm -hmm. So I gave him all that information. Up front, and I watched what he did with it, knowing now the ins and outs of where you can park and what you can do and what's illegal. And you know, it's not raining outside. There's in the middle of the night. There's a guy pissing on your back wheel. Mm -hmm. It's you have thing adventures like that, or guys punching through your window, trying to rob. You know, just trying to grab what was on the front. And you're seat. not making any money during this time. No. But you're managing no. to eat. But but I had enough money where if it was an emergency, I could check into a hotel. Even for the a whole night. year, you still had enough money. Only enough money for a couple of days. Then I would go back to the committee. In other words, mm -hmm. the committee was my backstop. And had you but, been in touch with them? Did they have any idea what was going on? No. Did they know where you were? No, they thought I was uh, living in a in an apartment and just w was cooling it mm -hmm. for a year. Because I was always, if I ever wanted to go back into the committee, that was always open. Mm -hmm. And I was still going over to their house. I just never said where I was living. Oh, I see. So you were seeing them in touch with them. They knew Yeah, was, they just they... thought I was on a sabbatical. Uh -huh. But then I would just disappear, you know, around 9 o'clock. Or I would stay up with them, you know, if we were partying or smoking mm -hmm. or talking or whatever. And then I would, you know, good night. And then I would get in my car and I would drive away. And they would think, well, he's going to his apartment. And I know I'm driving my apartment. But they never knew that. Wow. Um, and, and when they would see me driving, because they would, you know, I'd say, well, you need a ride somewhere. I, you know, and they would sit on the box, you know. And they would, you know, and I had a little curtain or something. Mm -hmm. So, were my living quarters. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, no, and, and I, I was always, it was a great secret of mine because they never suspected. It was really weird. When you went back and told them? I never told them. Ever. You never told them. No, I just went right back into it. Just like it never happened. Like I, like it, but I had, what I had, you can't buy. I was going to say, were you a change, you had to be a changed person. I'm not a changed person, but I had more information, a lot more different information than anybody else had. And if that's called, you know, being wiser or something, I don't think so. I just had more information than I ever had before of, because people were homeless and they were being derided. And I thought, I'm, a, I'm in a satirical group, man. I mean, all we did was mock, you know, bullshit. Mm -hmm. And all we did was point, and that was our thing, you know. We're not making this stuff up, we're just pointing. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was literally what we were doing. Mm -hmm. Because if we did something that was really funny and current, mm -hmm. within a month, some politician would just do it. Mm -hmm. And somebody say, wow, how did, uh, you know, when that guy, that politician did that thing, that gave you the idea to write that. No, 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 no. 
we did that three months ago. Mm-hmm. It just, you know, reality caught up with us. But any satirical group is like that. That that wasn't our right. thing. That's right. what satire is. Right. Uh, so, so, I but I was I was geared for it and loaded, and that's where Emmett Demas came from. Oh, I, I don't have to write about this. I can be this. I know what the fuck I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So, because there's nobody doing the homeless stuff mm-hmm. from the inside out. Right. No, from the inside out, it's different information. It's different emotions. Does it make audiences uncomfortable? No, but when you are talking about the truth and making them laugh, they laugh louder. Mm-hmm. The truth, man, is much funnier than, than, than good writing. Good satirical writing, um, and they know it, and they don't know they know it, but they recognize, they recognize the heart. Mm-hmm. They, 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 it. You can't manufacture the truth. You can't do it. You mm-hmm. just. You, I mean, if you think. But the funniest people are the ones who've been there and done that. Mm-hmm. You know, the like Pryor and Carlin and and uh, and Lenny. They've been there. That that's coming from, and then you know, your 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 wisdom, your inner wisdom, mm-hmm. mashes it and makes it plastic and comes out with you know funny. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is the you know the the core of it is is the reality. Did of the you truth. ever do it again? No, no, you you can't. I mean, it's it's like. Uh, it's I don't know. It's like something else that was so horrible, the the worst turns to laughter. But it was the worst. You're not going to do that again. It was the worst. I mean, you but know, you cops making year. you. I did it for a a year because the information. But once I had enough information, when it, once I was full up to here, I don't need to do this anymore. Okay. So what told you at a certain point? I'm done. Okay, the same thing that made me call up uh, Jack Rollins and say, hey man, the p- cops are pulling me off the stage. I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. While I was getting the laughs and opening for, for uh, Miles Davis, mm-hmm. it was fun. Mm-hmm. I was getting information. I was learning. It was a learning experience. I mean, maybe that's where I, I'm really coming from. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I, I called my manager and said, it's over. Mm-hmm. You know, the stand-up is over. I can't do it. Richie Pryor can do it. He can keep on doing it. You know, he has a lot of nights where people boo him off the stage. He just kept on doing it. I didn't really. Same thing. I, I, I'm, I'm done. It, it's over. I've got enough information that I can write when I need to write. Uh, in my, uh, when I was with, uh, you know, girlfriend living with a woman or living with a woman with a child, my scenes in the committee were all about having a, a either a wife or a girlfriend or taking care of a kid. Mm-hmm. I mean that was my it's you gotta you gotta be there. Mm-hmm. If you wanna be funny, you gotta be there. Mm-hmm. And if you're not there then you're not you can't be funny. I you know, you can be stupid. I mean stupid in the funny sense. Mm-hmm. Like kids poop humor. Mm-hmm. You know, that's but that's what they know. That's their reality. So to them, it's really funny. Mm-hmm. But once you get out of that, hey, it's not funny anymore. I, I need, you know. 
So, no, you don't want to go back to it, but I certainly know about it. And probably it's a little different, but frankly, um, when I used to do a Hell's Angel humor when I was in San Francisco and riding a motorcycle and Hell's Angels happened to come to my shows and I would hang out with them. Not a heavy hangout, but you know, after the show they would want to talk to me because, hey, that's motorcycle stuff. Yeah, well, I own a motorcycle. So they heard the truth of it. Mm -hmm. And so they... But they would take it a, a little beyond that, like I, they'd say after a while. They'd say, yes, yeah, so what do you, uh, what do you ride? Um, um, a one forty five Honda. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and they all moved away from me. No, 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 no. But they said, <laughs> no, because they, I had the gist. They'd say, is that red one forty five Honda that's parked outside? That's yours. Mm -hmm. I go, yeah. They go, hey, man, cool. Let us know. Hey, yeah, right. Let us know if you need parts. We steal those all the time. <laughs> I go, how do you steal that? And he goes, you back up a flatbed truck. <laughs> That's how you steal it. I go, oh, you just pick them up and throw them in the truck. And try. They don't break any locks. I don't know, maybe later. Just pick the do. whole thing up. Well, they, no, what they do is they they, disc, they break it down mm -hmm. and then they sell it piece by piece. You can get more money that way. Ay, 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 Larry, Larry. Um, Pete, do we have any questions? We do. Uh, what do we you, got? Would you ever do stand up again? Oh, yeah, I love it. I'm, I'm working on that. Yeah, I'm working on it. But now it's called a one man show. Mm. So, but basically, it's it, it's stand up. But I'll do. I mean, that's why I got all these markers in mm -hmm. here. These are from my one man show. You know, little pieces that are really funny in the writing. Right. You know, so I'm 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 making the one man. But it's basically a stand up. It's me, just you know, yep. just talking. Who's your favorite all time person you open for? Favorite oh, all time person that I open for. for. Oh, Miles Davis. Oh, easy. Yeah. I mean, easy peasy. I mean, who, who, well, the, the Blues Project and Love and Spoonful because we were all together. We were just a gang of going out there and yeah. doing But Miles Davis brought in, like, yeah, uh, I met uh, uh, Jack Kennedy and, and Jackie because wow. they came to see his show. Wow. So he goes, I, I used to do this thing about cops, the difference between a cops and a Hells Angel mm -hmm. is a cop would be in New York, you know, the cops ride uh, Vespas, the parking ticket cops right yeah. vespers mm -hmm. they ride around see so I said you know so the hell's angels are really kind of like cops that made it parking ticket because when I was in New York I would do that yeah. uh -huh. so, you know hell's angels in New York are like New York parking ticket cops that made it because you know when you're a parking ticket cop riding around giving people tickets it's like nothing it's like <laughs> like that but when you're a hell's angel in your copy, boom, 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 boom. So it would go on like, that's why the hell's angels would come to, because I did hell's angels humor. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but when I was doing Miles Davis stuff, mm -hmm. opening for Miles Davis, and after the show, Jackie and, and Jack and his brother and their little entourage stayed after the show. They didn't go backstage. There was no backstage. There was a little tiny green room. So they stayed in the in the room mm -hmm. when everybody was emptied out. 
and they were standing in the middle of the room and they would be talking to Miles and they had a little tier where you just go about five, five or six steps up and there was a little tier where you could also sit in a nightclub thing but you could see over the heads of the people down here. So I'd be sitting on the stairs in, in the shadow, you know, just like kind of sitting there like this, just watching. Wow. That's Jackie and that's Holy Jack shit. and this is brother and there's Miles. I'm sitting there like this going, wow, this is so cool. You know what I'm saying? And then Miles just like peeks up, you know, and he sees me sitting there like this and he goes, Kenny <laughs> 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 didn't know what the hell he was talking about. And then he went back to talking. So, yeah, I mean, there's a great deal about it. And it's off the top of your head because I never wrote anything. That's amazing ever, that you ever. had this big career at it and never wrote. Well, I was in improv. I, yeah, I was yeah. in improv for like, yeah, yeah. for 10 years mm -hmm. I was in improv. Mm -hmm. So I, it was easy to just use what you saw that day. Mm -hmm. Or even, you know, or even the stuff that in, in retrospect I could remember. Oh, there was a thing I did with Catherine that we improvised that night in the committee. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what I was doing, I could just, I, I, have, I could forget about her and just do, do it as, as my part on stage, you mm -hmm. know. So, yeah, but I never, I never wrote, you know. Writing is very difficult. Trishan uh, is requesting that you read from your book. Okay, so let's have a little excerpt. Oh, just a little excerpt. Yeah, let's have a little excerpt. Thanks, Okay, Trish. where's my... All right, fine. You got, you just you a got really your quick... Okay. okay, so... Um, Tell us the name, how they can get it. Oh, it's called the Loophole Dossier, and the cover is kind of stupid, but I designed it. <laughs> it's very uh, cute. Well, it's kind of cute, but it's yeah. brown and black. That's not funny. <laughs> Orange, pink, yeah. yellow, blue, you know, those are the funny colors. Okay, so anyway. <laughs> Uh, all right, so uh, here's um, right here. Okay, I got a mark okay. from my stand-up. Okay, so this is, uh, okay. So here's, okay. Now, uh, when you become homeless, you're going to miss certain things. Doorknobs. No doorknob. You don't have a doorknob. A wall, you don't have a wall. Sans walls. No wall, no doorknob, no table, no bathroom. Now, is it weird? Is it scary? But if you don't have no wall, no bathroom, no table, and uh, no doorknob, and you think you're not homeless, think again. You're homeless. Uh, now, uh, here's the rule. This is really short, 30 seconds. Here's the rule. Homelessness is not a state of mind. Homelessness is not a situation. Homelessness is a job. What is the job of the homeless? Get through today and find a safe place to sleep tonight. Now, that's it. A no-brainer. Okay, but what are the specs of the job? Three consecutive eight-hour shifts, no pay, no time off, no day off, no one's in charge, there are no rules, but if there are, they change every 40 feet, people with homes don't like you, no bathroom, there's no place to go, but all you have to do is get through today and find a safe place to sleep tonight, and you're home free, completely home free. Wow, Larry, that's excellent. I mean, this is an excellent book. It's 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 a lot. And then of he things. goes on. He goes on. That was uh, Barnum Justice is mm -hmm. the guy's name. He goes on to explain a lot about how it is and how to get around it. So that's that's the introduction. Fantastic.
fantastic. And can you tell the plan that oh. you have of what you're doing now with your... Oh, so I'm taking... That was out of my stand-up. In other words, my stand-up, and I put all my stand-up stuff about homeless and stuff like that into this book. Mm -hmm. But they were just like separate. Well, I did that in September of that year, and this, I did this, and this was a different hunk, and that was... So I just collected them all, and I thought, I have other stories too, like... The, the sometimes Jones stories are in here. Mm -hmm. uh, those are fables. Those are funny fables. Mm -hmm. So I just collected all my writings mm -hmm. when, when I wasn't working, and I put it into a book. But I thought that would be easy. You know, you just get the pages, you put it together, you know, and then you just get it published, and that's it. And you just reap the rewards. No, man. I mean, just getting the right running order and put it's writing. Mm -hmm. Writing you, oh, man, writing is so hard. Because you can erase it, and if you can erase it, you're gonna, mm. and you're gonna think again, and you're gonna rewrite it. And it it's took me rewriting. 13 years to publish my Rewriting book. and rewriting. Where I used to just get up on the stage, and it was so simple because if I would get a laugh, here's the magic of it, mm -hmm. my magic. Okay. My magic is that if I get a laugh, uh -huh. I have a photographic memory for it. Isn't that fantastic? Not for on the What a gift. Mm -hmm. What it, because if I didn't get a laugh, I would just forget it. Wow. It wasn't me like I would edit it. No, oh. I just forget it. Wow. So I would go the next day, um, I would just go from laugh to laugh. Uh, what, what I would do, here's the, here's the how I would, I would get up on stage and for three minutes, here's what you got to know about an audience. They will give you two minutes free of charge. <laughs> After a while, because I hated being introduced. This how is being introduced in the beginning mm -hmm. when I for Miles Davis mm -hmm. at the cellar door. Now I had been at the cellar door a lot, opening for a lot of people, mm -hmm. but Miles Davis for them was a special, and that was a packed house every night. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to get a really great comedian. I mean, you know, somebody good. Yeah. So they called me and they said, "Hey, listen, we got Miles Davis opening. We want you to open. Can you open for this amount of weeks?" And I said, "Yeah, that'd be so cool, man." So. That was a special thing. But um, I would do hunk, hunks for him. And I don't know why I'm telling you this story. I forgot the, the point. No, the, you were going in saying that the introduction and that the audience will give you two Oh, minutes. yeah. So how I would do it, how I would work that is I would get up on stage uh, knowing what I did from learning all those mm -hmm. things. You go up on stage and I would just talk about my day that day or maybe yesterday uh, for two minutes. You know, and you kind of time it out. Then they would just like, oh, so in the beginning, hey, here's my introduction. Because I had, they knew my work. Right. So, you know, ladies and gentlemen, one of the funniest people we've ever had at the cellar door, death. Death. <laughs> the funniest people that you've, I'll be the yeah, fucking right. judge of that, Charlie. Uh -huh. And they would just sit there with their, you know, Okay, you're the funniest guy, really. We've, we're here to hear Miles. But, I said, so after a while, because I, I would start really slow mm. with the two minutes, mm. you know, I kind of run out of the two minutes. They would get antsy. What the, what's going on? Mm -hmm. So I would just say, just say, ladies and gentlemen, Larry Hagen. So I would, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, Larry Hagen. Uh, and I would talk for two minutes, and they said, where, where is this going? And then I would hit him with my best, you know, kind of one minute. Mm -hmm. I would hit him with my one And they go, oh, wow, he's a f really funny comedian. And then I would have them, 
But that first two minutes was really rehearsal for tomorrow's opening, or maybe the next night. If it worked, if it didn't work, I'd dump it and say what I did the other day. Always two minutes, and then I'd move the two minutes up, and then the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Move the two minutes up, the kind of, you know, the stuff that worked, and then the, or maybe move it up, the funny stuff, and then the stuff that kind of worked. And then I do the, the, and after a while, you get these hunks, you know, and you build and you build. This is what they would say. This is the, the thing, is when you sign for your first uh, record, you know, or your first DVT, you know, um, here comes Larry Hankin, or coming at you, Larry, you know, that first one. You know, it would be really funny, and maybe you'd get a big sell because it's really funny stuff, stuff that you worked on for maybe two years. Mm-hmm. It's the second album that's the killer because mm-hmm. you don't have time. You know, you're just going along making stuff funny until you get a, well, it could be three, four, five, six, seven years sometimes the first album comes out. You have seven years of really honed stuff. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, you, we got to have another one in six to th- three to six months. Mm-hmm. And you fucking, now you're starting to write and stuff. That, that was the killer. So um, I would just hone it and I would, um, I never made an album mm-hmm. because I, I knew that I didn't want to lose that stuff. The album comes out once and then you got to come out with another one. Mm-hmm. But I could really make a, a a circuit of, I can even come back to the same club in a year, mm-hmm. use the same material and it would work mm-hmm. because, you know, the churning of the audience. But, so that was the th- thing that I learned that you got to be careful what you do with your stuff. It's all you have. Mm-hmm. And the second one is always sometimes not as funny. By the third one, then you're doing albums and you've got it down. You kind of know. I got to work on this really fast because, you know, and now it's even worse. Today, man, the turnover is, what, a couple of days. Because well, everything's on the internet. Everything yeah, I mean, they right immediately away. put it on YouTube yeah. and boom. And then you got new, you got to have new stuff. Yeah, yeah. so, but but a one-man show is kind of different. You, you, you do it, you've got an hour, you can tour the theaters, mm-hmm. fine, and then you put, put it on HBO if you're good enough. Mm-hmm. And that money kind of covers you, and they'll play it a lot, pardon me. Uh, so they can put it on, that money can keep you going for quite a while, and you can still use it, because it's not a record. They didn't buy it. Well, maybe they stream it. I don't, I don't know how. I haven't, I haven't done a stand-up in, in, in years, so I'm trying to figure out what that thing is. Well, it's exciting that you're coming back to it. And speaking of stand-up, Pete George. Hey. Pete George, the rock and roll comedian. Come tell hey. us what you're up to. Come around. Say hello. Tell us what you're doing. You know what? This yeah. interview is awesome. Come. I'm so enjoying yeah. it. Oh, wow. Yeah, very okay. much so, right? Hi, Pete George. Hi. Hey, this guy. So what you, I, you're going to Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. Las Vegas. By the way, I did uh, perform for 200 Hells Angels in Reno a few years ago. Go. And Sonny Barger was right in the middle of them. And I'm telling you, the first 10 minutes was so scary. Yeah. And once I got him, I got him. And at the end, this big dude with huge hands, black teeth, walks up and he's like, thanks for making me happy. <laughs> cool. Said, yeah, they're really cool for pe- to people who make them laugh. Yeah. 
They're cool. You know, that thing about uh, Richie Pryor and uh, the other guy doing that money, uh, that movie about them being in jail, mm -hmm. Richie Pryor. Gene, Gene Wilder, Gene Wilder yeah. Yeah. Gene, yeah. Gene Wilder. Yeah, well, that's true, and Pryor did time. He yeah. actually mm -hmm. did time. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they said, well, wh what did you do? Was it scary? He said, I was scared the whole time. I just kept those guys laughing. You know, it was on my butthole. That, that was the only thing, just <laughs> laughing on my... And so they, they I, he said, I was funny all the time. Yeah. So, and so where yeah, are you going to be funny all the time, Pete? Not in prison. When you're in, yeah, well, no, you got to be funny in prison. But right. if you're not in prison, then yeah. I did no do a show in a prison once, but that's oh, yeah. a different story. Uh, where are you going to be funny this week? I'm going to be at Tickle Me Comedy Club Thursday, Friday, Saturday in Las Vegas. Downtown. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So I'll be headlining there, and it's going to be awesome. I'd love to to see it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I I still to this day on on the internet, I I only watch Nova and stand up on yeah. HBO. <laughs> Nova. Wow, the is... Nova part cracks me up. <laughs> but I I watch all of the the comedians. Right. Uh, what's that? Uh, bar, uh, what's it? Bar, bar? No, is that bar? Trisha saying thank you for uh, for uh, for reading to us. Um, oh, so anyway, oh, so we've we've. I, I feel like we're going to have to have you back because mm -hmm. I feel like there's so much of the story we haven't heard yet. Yeah. And you oh, have yeah. great stories and hearing oh, them cool. is phenomenal. Um, thank you so much for doing this, Larry. Larry thank came you a really, for having me. came a really That's long great. way to do this. this. So awesome. And thank he's so sweet and so humble and uh, wrote like my favorite inscription in the book when, when you gave it to me. It really meant a lot to me. I appreciate it. And it um, means a lot. Pete, thank you for doing this. Um, thank you all for, for tuning in. And uh, Larry, so where can they uh, where can they check you out? Okay, uh, you you can check me out on my my website is therealarryhagen.com, but it's in beta now. You can go on, you can mm. you can check it out. Okay. But we're putting up stuff. It's being built, but you okay. can watch us build it. So some of the stuff works. Some of the stuff doesn't there's my uh, biography there's pictures there's stuff on it okay so go there so you can see me there i'm writing a screenplay now it's a funny vampire movie so mm -hmm. that eventually mm -hmm. uh and you can go to vimeo i'm on dossier you can get on oh, amazon. amazon or any any bookstore all over the world okay. you know it's a, it's in ebook e mm -hmm. or a hardcover okay. you know the, and uh so and then on um, uh, the internet, you can go on Vimeo. All my, I've done about fifty film shorts, little little tiny film shorts. So about fifty of them are on uh, Vimeo, Larry Hankin, or my website. I got like about twelve on there. You know, uh, you, the real Larry Hankin, and uh, you know, every once in a while, I'll, I'm, I'm doing a, a TV show or a movie. Uh, but I really want to do my own. So now, finally, when I'm, you know, uh, in my golden years, I'm thinking of, uh, ah, I got a career. I, I want to make movies now. Nice. Yeah, so it's, uh, finally, when I'm winding everything up, I get this, oh, I know what I want to do. I need about 15 to 20 years to do it, you know. It's cool, you know, so, all right. That could happen. Yeah. Tenuta. Yeah, I got to... <laughs> Well, I got an arc to go to for I, the first time. I love time. it. Thank you so much, Larry. Thank you. Vicky. And uh, Thank you. I'm going to give you a kiss. And uh, by the way, earlier tonight, Leland Sklar, the incredible bass player extraordinaire, was walking in with Larry because he thought he was on the show tonight. And this happened... But I beat him up. But, but, uh, but Larry... 
wrestled him and, and he he's won. coming what next and he'll week be, he'll be here next week and great. he's amazing and the immediate family guy. they're making a documentary on the immediate family right now and if you don't know the immediate family it's it's Russ Kunkel it's Danny Korchmar it's Wadi Wachtel it's Steve Postel uh, it's 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 an unbelievable band of all stars, and they're making a, a, a documentary about them. And they they've been gigging all over the world, and they have albums out, and they've just made a new album. And and, and he's Lila, played with everybody you've known. He's played with everybody, everybody. Uh, and James Taylor and Bonnie Raitt, and all these people, amazing people. And so anyway, he'll be with us, and we'll get him to do some playing. He didn't bring an instrument with him. We're going to remind him to do that. Um, that only happened once before Robert Morse. The incredible Robert Morse showed up a month before he was, a week before he was supposed to be performing here for Women Who Write, and he just sat with me, and we did like a Facebook Live thing. Before there was wow. Facebook Live, we just went online and started talking to people. It was so much fun. But anyway, so Russ will be here. Not Russ. Lee will be here next week. I got Russ Funkel on the brain now. And then um, in two weeks, um, Bruce Valanche will be with us. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that's going to be pretty That phenomenal. guy is... How does he come up with all I those don't know, jokes, but he's man? So, he's, he's a machine. He's a yeah, machine. That's a, he's amazing. He's amazing. He's so funny. So I'm so looking forward to that. And I want to give a shout out to the people that support us and um, uh, are supportive of you and will be supportive of you. So Rick Smokey of Quick Compressions in Chicago, he makes all my stuff and he's amazing. Great printers. They will do if you need anything really? printed. He will take care of you like... He made those. He me. will take care of you. Oh, great! And yeah. he takes care of artists. Where does he work out of? In Chicago, and he's oh. amazing. But everything oh, okay. is shipped. You know, it's just all. Oh, okay. And cool. so, if you need anything, Rick Smokey, Quick Impressions of Chicago. And if you need your hair done, my fabulous hairdresser Nicole Venables of the Ruby Begonia Salon, and she has this fabulous. Oh, I was spray. looking at Did that. Did you see? Fuck off. Fuck off. Right. Um, yes, uh, Hair Crush Love, and she's a great hair cutter, and her stuff is it. Um, Friends Beauty Supply and her studio, her salon is in Studio City. Ruby Begonia. Do you remember? I once lived with a hairdresser. Did you? Oh, Did yeah. you have good hair? Oh, I had great Excellent hair. Excellent hair. However, yes. she would use my hair to learn how to dye oh, people's hair. Yeah, that's not good. That's, that's, that can be a dread. Also, do you know about this? Okay, You've so. never seen me with red hair. <laughs> so you were wow. talking about... Um, uh, um, Penny Marshall. Yeah. And, okay, so Happy Days, Anson Williams, um, his uncle uh, was Heimlich of the Heimlich Maneuver. Wow. And they invented this thing called Alert Drops. And Anson, I want to tell you that this came up today because uh, yesterday I went to lunch with someone who was about to drive back to Las Vegas and I was telling him, he was saying that he gets sleepy when he's making the long drive. What this is, Larry, is yeah. if you get... Right. All right, wait, I'm trying to find, here. It's just lemon, go like this. It's, that, it's just really intense lemon, but it will wake you the fuck up and you will not go to sleep. <laughs> so alert drops are fabulous and they're saving lives. Wow. Right? But what's great about it is it does wake you up. Yeah, don't, right? don't sit on it by accident. Yeah. I thought I was awake. <laughs> Anyway. Okay, so, let's do the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So thank you again so much. Pete, thank, thank you. you so much. We'll see thank you next you, week with um, with uh, Leland Sklar and 